filled in pretty quickly today, guys. How's everybody doing, all right? All right, I got something I'm going to talk about today. I say this every week, but uh, it's been something that's kind of bugging me. I don't know, every week I feel like something's bugging me, so sorry if I, I'm not being too negative or anything, but, um, you know, I titled this one, Shut Up About the Damn Price, and uh, there's a reason for that, and I'm, I, I think something's been nagging at me about it, and if you guys know, I don't talk about the price much at all. I try to keep it on basically anything except for the price, and uh, I'm realizing why, so... My job, like in professional life, I'm in, I'm in sales. I do, I think people, sometimes they perceive sales as this thing that is like, um, you know, it's always in pop culture depicted as like some sleazy sales guy, right? Like he's a car salesman or something. But the reality is in sales, it's something that um, you have to, if you're going to be in something for a long time, your goal is to, do the right thing for people, right? If you're a good salesperson, you're trying to build relationships, you're trying to be a resource that somebody trusts, and you're trying to give them honest information. You're not trying to give them the cheapest product or the crappy, you know, what's best for you because that's only going to be a short-term gain. And uh, I've been thinking about a lot about this price because obviously what's happened in the last three months is all these price predictions have completely fallen apart. Everybody's just readjusting all their targets, they're changing their dates, they're moving their charts around, and it's just such an obvious pile of crap. And uh, I think it's so detrimental to crypto in general. Um, so when you're talking about price, when you say when you say something like, hey, Litecoin's going to $1,500, what you're trying to do is you're trying to get people to basically, you're saying to them like, hey, you're here to make money, buy Litecoin today and sell it at $1,500, right? And uh, hang on a second. Um, sorry, people are requesting to come up, but hold on. The problem I have with this is that it feeds into this whole Ponzi scheme thing. It makes people view Litecoin as any other coin that you're in here to make U.S. dollars. There's nothing more than the price is low today. When the price goes up, you're going to sell it. You're just going to basically wait, almost like what Peter Schiff says. You're buying it today to sell it sell it to some sucker down the line for 10 times the price. And it's like the easy target, right? You're, you're, pay, you're playing, like I said today in a post, you're playing on people's fears in a way. You don't want them to miss out. You're playing on, playing on their emotions, you know? And, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, I know that Litecoin's not a Ponzi. But what you do is you're, again, you put Litecoin in the same boat as every single other coin. And if somebody's using FOMO, like, think about it with yourself when you're trying to buy something. If you're trying to, if someone's trying to sell you insurance and they start talking to you about, hey, you know, boy, you really wouldn't want anything to happen to your family after you're gone. And think about, you know, your kids and paying for college, like all they start playing on your emotions and they're trying to they're trying to instill fear in you. And they're not trying to use just logic pencil selling, right? Because emotions are easy to play with people. And I think when you're FOMOing people, like I said today, fear of missing out, you're playing on people's fear. 
And anytime someone does that to me in real life, that's a red flag for me. I'm like, something isn't right. Why are you playing on my fears? If this is a logical decision I can make, just paint a logical picture for me. Don't try to make me afraid, right? So, um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to keep going with this. All right, well, here, Yusuf, you want to add something. You're a new speaker, so I'm tentatively adding you. What's up, man? You're breaking up my rant here. <laughs> you got something to say, Yusuf? First of all, glad uh, uh, to thank you about this space. What's that? Thank you for this space at first. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, we are investors in Litecoin uh, around for six months for now, and another coins are doubling and doubling and doubling, and we are waiting for Litecoin, and we are, ho we are holding it, um, and still waiting for anything. The price moves in like uh, 150 area, and we're waiting to get high, but it's not. Right, I'm glad you came on because I think you're a good person we can talk to. Let me finish up what I'm saying. I'm going to talk to you about that. So as a Litecoin community, right, guys, um, if we look at, um, well, at least for me as a Litecoin underground, like I think there's different people that are here for different reasons. Some people are here to just scalp some dollars off the top. They're like, we can look at like, uh, who is it? That Kong BTC who's being called out as a scammer. Anybody who's just pumping charts and is like, look, here's your price today. Once it 10x is I'm out. They're just they're just here to make dollars. They don't have any real association with Litecoin. They don't care if it succeeds or if it dies. And, you know, that might be a chunk of the people here. That might be that's a pretty good chunk of the people on crypto Twitter. Um, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that necessarily, but that's just not where I'm at. Right. And I don't know. Maybe you guys could fill me in if you have different motivations mine for me like some people i think most people they're stacking for retirement they're like hey i want to protect my wealth i want to have something that i know i can hold on to um and then there's a whole nother section of us that are like i want to end this money system i want to end i want to change governments i want to i want to flip the script and give people back some sovereignty so i just want to say this because I think that it's important that when we're posting things, when we're talking about the reality is what we're trying to do is we're trying to market Litecoin in a way. And instead of trying to scare people, we need to think about like, how do we inspire them or how do we make them see some of the things and educate them on what it is that we're motivated by? Because whatever you're motivated by, there's somebody else out there that's motivated by the same thing. It, you don't have to be all about price. Not everybody's a millennial. Not everybody's a, a Gen Z that's into this weird ape pictures and shit, right? There's a lot of us that are just working people that have families and are interested in Litecoin for, I want to stack and cold storage some of my keys and I'm looking 20, 30 years down the road giving this stuff to my kids. And so... I think just be honest with yourself. That's what I'm that's what I want this to be. I don't want to get caught up in everybody's got a FOMO and everybody's got a price. Be yourself. Give people honest advice and everything will fall into place where you want it to be. So uh I think I'm done now. Why Litecoin can take me out of this rant. What's up, bud? 
Oh, what's up? I, I, I got I got disconnected for a second. I didn't hear the last part of what you said. All right. Um, well, I was just saying, I'm just kind of um, just saying, like, I feel like the most important thing that you can do as a like I do, I look at us as people. You're if you're on Twitter and you're talking about crypto, you're trying to represent something, you know. There's a reason you're out here talking about it. And to be genuine with what your feelings are, because everybody here represents a different section of the population in a way, or has different, there are different points in their life. And there's people on Twitter that are reading this stuff that are going to connect with you based on who you are and not just talking about you're here to flip this coin to make dollars. Yeah, hundred percent. I, th- I think it's a combination of things. Like <clears throat> for me personally, like I'm interested in price, but it's not all about price. Like I developed this fundamental thesis, right? Because I like to buy something that's undervalued, and then <clears throat> potentially, you know, ha- profit from going against the grain, being contrarian, and once the market realizes you know, Litecoin actually does have value and, and the, the narrative sort of shifts. Once it's overvalued, I'll probably sell a portion of it. Um, but at the same time, like I do genuinely believe that it has the potential to uh, <clears throat> provide a lot of benefit for people. It's not like something that is just a pump and dump to, for personal profit at the expense of others. I like actually believe that it, it can reduce taxation in the money and, and provide people, you know, an out. Um, so for me, it's a combination of both those things. Like, yeah, there's personal interest for sure. I think everyone here would be sort of lying if they said they didn't have at least some self-interest if you bought the coin, right? Like why else would you, unless you need to send it right away and you're being censored or taxed heavily. Um, you yeah, and I think, buy it on I think Coinbase for me, to, yeah, like I guess maybe that's, that's understood, right? And to me, it's more about do we want do we want it to grow because it's because just because just because let's become a meme like if we became Dogecoin, we became a meme and it almost became a bit of a joke. No offense to Dogecoiners. I'm not trying to say you're totally joke. I support Dogecoin. <laughs> but yeah, and you have some short term epic gains. Um yeah, like you said, we all bought it for a reason, but it's like, what are we trying to promote? What are we What are we talking about on a regular basis? And what's the end game? What are we hoping to do, right? Like, and, and we're all going to be different. Like I wrote out, I was like, me personally, I, I'm in this for the long haul, and I don't need immediate gains. I don't, you know, if it's six months, if it's six years, if it's sixteen years. Like I've got a, I've got a situation where, you know, I work and I have a job and, and I've got my mindset of this needs to be the long haul. I'm more like what you're, I think what you like a lot about this stuff is, yeah, reducing taxation, redu- removing intermediaries and all these permission layers that exist for people to have access to their own money, Incre- increasing people's own freedom and privacy. Like those are the things that interest me and the reason that I put this thing on every week. Like if I was just going to, you know what I'm saying? I guess that's what I'm thinking about. Like if we're seeing ourselves as representing Litecoin in a way, which I do think 
a lot of people in this room on a regular basis tweet about Litecoin. That's what we're trying to do, be representatives of the coin. Uh, talking about the price. Just think before you tweet, what am I trying to represent? What's my long-term goal? What, what am I in it for, right? And are you having your own FOMO? Are we Maybe you know your own emotion gets wrapped on it sometimes. And I'm sure I've had things, if you look at my past, that I was trying to pump price more than I needed to or something. And it's just something I've just been, it's been bothering me, I think. I see. Yeah, I, I realize with my account, like, I'm not going to be able to pump price at all, really. Like, my interest is more genuine. Like, price is interesting from a technical perspective. I think it can bring insight um, in, in regards to the fundamental analysis, too. Like, sometimes I look at TA charts and be like, huh, where where am I wrong here? Like, this chart is showing me something that conflicts with my narrative. So, like, maybe I should go back and rethink what exactly. Well, yeah, that's the hard part is, like, everything is measured in dollars. So you can't deny that that's reality, right? That's ultimately, like, when we sit here and talk about fee structures and, it's, you know, mining incentives. Like, you ultimately have to relate things back to dollars because the cost of mining is calculated in dollars, right? your electrical cost. And so the, uh, the whole system is set up so that incentives are properly placed. And right now, all incentives are measured in dollars. And so there is a reality to that price. I guess I just, I feel like what this year has done outside of just, even outside of Litecoin, you take, you know, this plan B model, which obviously has completely gotten destroyed. Um, it's just kind of laid bare, like, look, the, no one knows. Like, you can't promise anybody anything. You can't promise anybody a, a return. We have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. The, we, the Fed goes up to 2 3% interest rates over the course of a year. That's going to be a, <laughs> it's gonna be a different world than we're living in right now. But Or if the government decides to do another $5 trillion in stimulus, that's going to change things. None of us can predict this stuff, but we can talk about the things that these coins do provide you. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's important also to try to understand those market dynamics. Like if you have a large following, um, like be open and honest and, and not just, yeah, not just pump price, but like nobody knows the, the future of what's going to happen in the market in the short term. I, I kept going back and forth and it probably looked like I was like bipolar or something because it, it's it was so uncertain to me for a while, but like with recent data coming in, I started to lean more bullish. Part partially because you know sentiment was so down, and then I looked at other um, market dynamics versus what the where the narrative was at, and realized that hey, like this concern over hiking rates and tapering, it seems to be overblown, or at least you know. Um, ahead of itself by at least like six months. So I kind of wrote an article today that sort of explained that. Um, yeah, I know look... a lot of your stuff is very, you're, you're market-based. You like looking at, I actually wanted to do a one with one of these with you to talk about just explaining futures, shorts and longs and the impact they have on market. Like I, I get so confused. It seems like people, there's shorts, everyone's excited and then there's longs and everyone's excited. It's like, well, <laughs> which one is it right? we, I, I don't know like to me i i look at the past data on like bifnex long short ratios and, and kind of see historically like have they been correct about their market positioning and 
interestingly, like on Bitfinex, they have been pretty accurate. I don't know if because they have more inside information on like where whales are positioning themselves, but historically their long and short um, positions on alts have sort of preceded where the market was going to go. And then I think people get confused with like funding rates. They're like every short matches along. Yes, that's true. But like, it's just like a interest rate, right? Like it's a lending market. So if there's more people that are positioned um, borrowing to long, then, then the funding rates, you know, highly positive. So it's, it costs to be long and therefore it's easy <clears throat> for market makers to try to go against that grain and liquidate them. Um, and so push that's, down that's the, that, and that's like super short term outlooks, right? Yeah. One month it, to one month. But. Yeah. It's definitely like a, a daily thing, but those positions, I don't know, like over summer built over time where there was this huge short interest and, you know, sometimes the tail can wag the dog, like this is a highly speculative market and like derivatives volume is outpacing spot significantly. So when you get a, a like liquidation cascade or a move, it, it can trigger, you know, this feedback loop and then generate retail interest and yeah, price can, can really be decided by the derivatives market. Hey, uh, hang on. Gerst, you came up here. You've been waiting patiently. What's up, man? Hey, what's going on, guys? Always cool to listen in on these and, um, you know, gain perspectives from other folks. You know, I just, I like what you were, you know, I like your original point about everyone's goal and everyone's intent in the market in general. And it actually has me thinking about the time when Coinbase first added Litecoin and my actual perception of what Litecoin was then versus now. And I really think it is important for folks to zoom out. And obviously everyone has different investment objectives, but over time, Litecoin just appear, you know, appears to be super consistent, especially if you look at the folks who've been involved with it for the long haul. And so that speaks volumes to me as opposed to these coins that come and go. And so, Obviously, I can speak for a lot of folks. Most folks are rooting for Litecoin to, you know, witness that, you know, extraordinary performance that we've seen in the past. And again, just really key to understand that for us to come from a position of strength, it's a it's a function of of, you know, proper perception of the market in general and the actual capabilities of the technologies themselves, as opposed to these, you know, week by week price movements that if you zoom out has absolutely no material impact to the true, uh, you know, success of, of a project. Well, I'll even tell you the truth. And I, I don't know if he's in here listening. He says he sometimes listens, but I have a friend who's, um, I think I've referenced him before. He's been stacking for literally like at very, just after the peak of last or no, just before the last peak. So he started buying at like two twenty back then and was just, has been putting in, couple hundred bucks a month for five years just chipping away building a slow stack keeping it in cold storage like doing all the right things right steady as he goes and he has these uh the, today was a day where he's just out of the blue messaging this morning he's like dude i'm so done with this i'm so frustrated nothing's happening and i think that's what what i see is uh and i everybody's felt it right this impatience of like it's gotta happen tomorrow or it's i, I want to retire and two years or I want to like, you know, be sitting on a beat, 
beach, <laughs> you know, when Litecoin goes to ten thousand dollars, like you, it's a. I feel like it generates a negative feeling uh, about Litecoin, when in reality, this last you know we talked about this a couple of times last 15, 16 months, there's been nothing but incredibly positive news for Litecoin. Everything like if you look at every metric, usage you know obviously addresses, transactions, transaction volume, um, adoption into all these new platforms that had never been on before. Uh, obviously PayPal, Venmo, and what's the one I'm, I can't think of right now, BitPay. Um, it's being used, it's growing all over the world in a number of different ways, and it's all positive. We have development happening, OmniLite, Mimblewimble, and yet here's somebody who's been investing in it, my friend, for five years, and he's got this overly negative feeling. He just wants to check out because... It's just been the price has been such a focus. Um, I just feel like it's gotten people's expectations set up, and that's you know the definition of probably maybe not the true definition of happiness, but happiness is your expectations being met. And when your expectations aren't met, it bother, it upsets you, you know. And I think we're just setting up un, un unfair expectations, maybe not unrealistic, you know, because I do you know, master, you're the master of some of these charts right and uh we all know like if things follow the whole scarcity play sure it could happen litecoin there's no reason why it couldn't be worth four or five thousand dollars but when that's the that's the that's the message being delivered all the time then all that people see litecoin as is is a disappointment it's let them down over and over and over again in the price regard and for people who are newer, they're not into this technical stuff. I feel like that's overall a big detriment to the entire crypto space because this is one of the few legit coins out there. You know, well, I, I would agree, but like Litecoin has been kind of disappointing price wise. I think for everyone, right? Like nobody really expected it to go out of the top ten, and then you see all these other type of uh, proof of stake and like VC coins that do significantly better and it, it definitely is frustrating to see uh the marketing and pumping going on like crazy wild stupid speculation being rewarded i think that's what's frustrating and i but the fact and that's that, like, fair people, like that's a fair thing to talk about like that <laughs> this, i've said it many times it's a different game right these are these are different technologies with completely different reward structures and incentive structures that aren't based in any kind of real world value. Right. Yeah. And I could also argue though, at the same time, like Bitcoin similarly, right. There's not that much on chain demand. And right now it seems like we've been in a bear market since May. So like the only thing kind of keeping up the price there is uh, like Michael Saylor nation state adoption stuff. And like hodlers not selling, but I don't know. We're in, this market still is like super speculative. I'm I'm definitely a long term believer, and I think that demand actually for Bitcoin, Litecoin, like on chain, will significantly increase. So I'm a long term believer, but I do understand the like people that want to capitulate. Although at the same time, like it, it's a good sign, right? Like that generally marks bottoms is when these people who have been holding for four years, like finally, finally, like like I'm done. I'm out of this. That that's good news in 
some some respects, right? I, get, like, I mean, I, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, because there's another guy. Yeah. The signal. You're, they're very analytical. I like you about that. <laughs> hey, right, just, right. To, yeah, just to throw it out there, man, from, from past experience, you know, again, being, you know, following for a long time, Litecoin always rips when you least expect it. It's actually shocking to me. It's so unpredictable. But the other thing I do want to touch upon is, you know, all these commentaries about technical analysis and folks who, you know, use a crayon on a, on a chart to like show it going up to, you know, a million dollars and all these crazy, you know, what, you know, again, all these, you know, imagery that's used on Twitter to try and, you know, gain hope and, and whatever it may be the objective is. It's like, why not just focus on the fundamentals of what it is as opposed to just someone on Twitter who keeps posting the same thing over and over again? I'm sure that actually scales to many other projects and not just Litecoin. Oh, absolutely. It's a, I mean, God, I read a thread today, a Bitcoin thread, where this guy was talking about, well, the entire value of the world is $200 trillion. And, you know, that $10 million Bitcoin is essentially this guaranteed thing. And it's like, what the how can you say that to people you have no fucking clue what is going to happen tomorrow so it just it seems uh i don't understand it i guess i just have a hard time understanding like what are you what's the hope right all you're doing in my mind that's the ponzi scheme aspect of it that's when you're like i'm trying to get other people to buy this thing because i i'm out of cash and i need the price to go up i think that's all i can think of Right? Well, but any, any anyone who's logically involved with it is is going to you know, not even pay any attention to those those charts or that commentary. Right, but I'm saying, but, but a lot of people are, you know, the newcomers are. Yeah, and I think that that's coming from credible people too. It kind of bothers me at the same time. Like I understand where you guys are coming from, but, um, like the, these people are treating it like an institutional asset class. I think they're speculating on a whole different set of assumptions. Like they're treating it like gold 2.0 in in their heads. They think it's going to be like the next world reserve currency. It's just going to be a similar system to the one we had, except instead of gold being underneath it, it's going to be Bitcoin. Like that's just where I fundamentally disagree, but I can understand like they, they hardcore believe that and they believe that to be true. And I, so I don't know. I think, to some extent, they're trying to sell and pump price, but also I think they like actually like they believe in, so they're speculating right. on on that assumption. Yeah, it's, yeah, I guess yeah, it's like um, it's like you learn just enough to to be dangerous type of thing, right? Where you're like, it's inevitable. Like you see some certain people, they it's like they don't see any pitfalls to this thesis, and they haven't carried this out to like step. 10 they're on step four they go oh it's going 10 million dollars all right my research is done <laughs> i don't need to i don't need to spend any more time thinking about it it's settled science right yeah it seems quite crazy right because of where we're at right now and where they're projecting it to be like there's so many different variables that could you know make that not happen and i would think that it's impossible but um, it seems yeah, illogical it's... because at some point money will move into things like litecoin money will move it like it's just it, it'd be too well this is what that was our first podcast you and i we we're talking about kind of the um some of the weaknesses of a one coin world and almost the un the non-realism of it but all right uh somebody came up here blitz you came up what's up man hello yeah 
Yeah, what's going on, man? No, just I was uh <clears throat> just uh I saw you you guys gonna have the space. So I was like, oh sweet, Litecoin talk, I love it. Um, I don't know if you guys, I'm not. This is a space just to talk about Litecoin, or if you guys have like a a certain uh, topic. No, and yeah, in general, I mean, obviously, I okay. start talking about don't talk about the price because I get a little tired of it. But <laughs> everybody's everybody's a free speech world. But um, absolutely, yeah. I mean, we're pretty we're pretty open to just talking about crypto in general. I think what we're mm-hmm. mostly concerned with is uh, good projects that are uh, fair, proof of work, and. Mm-hmm. But crypto in general, if you want to talk about whatever, go for it. Nah, I just love, I love the spaces, you know, of Litecoin. I, honestly, I've been with Litecoin, been using Litecoin um, almost every day. Honestly, that's the currency I only use, to be honest, unless it's regarding paying certain bills. But, man, I love it, man. Ever since 2016 and I learned about it and understood, understood the true aspect of Litecoin. Like, you know, there's a, there's a thing where, like, right now i feel like people are just so caught up with like nfts and all these other projects which they're great don't get me wrong but you gotta respect the history that litecoin has correlated to bitcoin you know and some people don't see it which is okay a lot of people just laugh at the community of litecoin they're like oh that's a shit coin i'm like man you guys are crazy like this is a cryptocurrency that works that like you know it has these moments where like the price was like pumping and they just kind of kind of you know, consolidating the charts and stuff, but I was like, man, you guys are looking at the wrong thing. Like, you gotta like see the aspect of using this, and um, like people tell me, like right now, people are caught up using Ethereum, and I'm like, you guys are getting killed while you transfer funds using Ethereum. I'm like, you need to use Litecoin, and like if you want to go ahead and swap for other coins, go ahead. But it's the best like type of coin, in my opinion, uh, when transferring funds. You know, like don't me wrong, what, there is what Bitcoin. Do you, what do you use it for? When you say you use it on a daily basis, you just everything. Um, you can name it from buying stuff, um, <laughs> buying groceries. Uh, I just, just, it's what I use it for. Like, that's like the main currency that I use. You have the light and, Of course. Mm, no, no, no. I just use it when it comes to transferring, like, as in like a currency to use. Like, so I, it's like, th- put it this way. My main bag of Litecoin is like in a wallet, but then I have other wallets. But then I would, for example, go buy a gift card if I need to get something like this and that, you know? I don't really right. use I don't use the debit card. I just uh, I don't want to get in that mess to be honest. Um, I like I like just to stay on the crypto side and just kind of sit there, you know, not really go back where I'm going back to fiat, you know. Yeah, um, no, I, I completely get that. So it's the main currency that I love using, and it's just you know, you know, I'm gonna I'm not gonna be like, oh my god, you got Bitcoin and and the Lightning Network. Don't get me wrong, that's great and everything, but. I think I feel like we need to create more of a, you know, like the Mimble Wimble. Like once that hits, I feel like it's going to be a huge impact. People are going to realize, yo, this is probably the best one out here where it gives that privacy aspect. And, you know, eventually, um, you know, when they start to use it as like a, like for NFTs and like um, how quick you can send it. Like, man, like I, every time I show somebody how to use Litecoin, they're just like, whoa, this is pretty cool. And I kind of teach them. Just because it gives them an aspect of like, okay, this is a, a taste of the crypto space, especially if they're new. Um, I just like teaching people because it's just, they should know about this, you know, and some people aren't educated. They get caught up with the NFTs. Oh, I just made a million dollars. I just made um, 3000 off of 60 bucks or, you know, like, it's just great. Don't get me wrong. But man, that correction when it comes <laughs> and you're not ready and you're not in the coin where like that has history, man. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I think the crazy part is going to be 
and that's that's the other part of these markets that I think is unpredictable. That's why I don't like to talk about the price too much, is because there's gonna be there's gonna be a point where these NFTs just implode, and there's no market for them anymore. There's no people are putting whatever they spent fifty grand on something, and we could probably talk all day about how much bullshit is going on in that market anyway. But where you can't even move them, or you're trying to get out, and your fees go up so fast because uh, you just can't even you can't sell. There's nobody to buy it, right? Exactly. It slowly goes to zero. Like, that's going to be such a weird day, and I think that could crater a whole bunch of stuff. But, um, no, there was actually a good thread today. I invited him to come in. I don't think he's in here. Um, but it was somebody had a long thread about why they were flipping from Bitcoin to Litecoin. And a lot of oh, the I reasons- think I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. I think I, I – Let me find it, was, it actually. I'll, yeah, I wonder if you can post it up where people I'll can sh- just yeah, take I'll it. Yeah, I'll share it. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really, I mean, I, it followed very much what my thought process has been. Mm-hmm. Uh, here we go. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So that, that's, I, mean, I appreciate you coming in. Uh, who else? Absolutely. Lil Starburst. <clears throat> Yo, I don't that's have much to say. Today. I like it. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Litecoin's awesome. I've been invested in Litecoin since 2018 kind of like after the 2017 hype or whatever. But what I want to share with you guys today is I was at the grocery store, you know, and you know what I saw? <clears throat> and I'm in Canada, so we don't really get these types of brands too often. But I ran into uh, a Frito-Lay Flaming Hot uh, Doritos, you know? And okay. as soon as I saw that, as soon as I saw that, I immediately thought Litecoin, and I came home and I bought Litecoin just because of that. So... What? And like what we're in a dip right now, so now is like an awesome Litecoin? opportunity to get it. Pardon me. What's that have to do with Litecoin? Flaming hot Frito Lay. Flaming hot Litecoin. I, I don't know. I haven't heard of that. Is that some sort of meme I'm unaware of? <laughs> meme or a signal or whatever you want to call it. Anyways, that's all I want to say about that. I gotta hop out of here. I got other stuff to do. Litecoin's awesome. Hope you guys have an awesome night. Yeah, all right. Thanks, man. Thanks, Thanks for letting me talk too. Like people don't even let other people talk in some of these spaces and stuff. That's that that says a lot. So Oh yeah. Well we're here every week at nine o'clock. Actually I will say just a quick announcement. I will not be here next Wednesday at nine. I don't know if I should do it Thursday night. I'm gonna be actually traveling. I'm going to see a friend in uh uh Vegas. So I'll be flying on Wednesday night. So I don't know if I should do it. The following, probably just through Thursday at nine, maybe next week. Does that make sense for everybody? Sure, whatever. But uh, all right, what else you guys got? Any, anything else you guys want to talk about? I, I did want to do. I've been talking about having a news person, and Al, you're in here. I think you're you're the one I want to do this because you're you're keyed in to the right things. Al Lighthouse, do you want to become a? the Litecoin underground news reporter. Bring up articles, you know, and share online metrics or uh, on-chain metrics and that type of stuff. You're not, you're not listening. He's not responding. All right. What the uh, Srini, you can uh, go ahead while we wait for Al, maybe. Hey, thank you. So can we expect the Litecoin um, hash power to uh, reach as much as what Bitcoin is today? I know it's hovering around 400 terahashes per second, which is same. Uh, it's actually probably not likely to get, you know, uh, 
Bitcoin's on a totally different algorithm, and Master might be able to speak well to this because we've had this discussion. So they, it's a much more Bitcoin's a much more hash intensive algorithm than Litecoin. Litecoin's on the script algorithm, and so um, from my understanding. There's not even equipment out there to get anywhere near where Bitcoin is. Like Bitcoin's hash rate is astronomical compared to Litecoin. But that's because there's the machines out there and it's a much more hash intensive algorithm. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> For sure. Yeah. Litecoin is like more memory intensive, right? Memory memory is like such an expensive computational resource. So like you can't compare the numbers you know, just like one to one. I don't even know how you would make a comparison. Maybe like you have to look at the cost of hash per dollar. I, I don't even know, but I know you. It, it's it's not helpful at all to try to compare like coins hash rate to bitcoins. I think the the key in this is just looking at how much of the script <clears throat> mining. Um, is dominated by Litecoin, like the percent dominance versus Bitcoin's SHA-256 dominance. That seems like a more useful metric to, to compare the two. Yeah, so Sri, I don't know if you've done, do you mine or no? Yeah. Okay, so do you mine Litecoin right now or no? No, I don't mine Litecoin, uh, but... Uh... Yeah, I have installed the uh, Litecoin uh, software once, but uh, I tried for some time. I didn't get any Litecoin, so I've given up. I think I have very little uh, uh, resources on my laptop, so I've given up. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're not going to be able to do it on a laptop. you got to use an ASIC. Um, the thing I always try to point out to people, because I actually had a discussion with somebody this week about it, is you have to look at, like, there's only so many ASIC machines that are script ASIC miners and there's only x amount in the world that have ever been made and so since that's the only real reasonable way to mine litecoin the important thing is how many of those machines are mining litecoin versus another coin on that script algorithm so i think right now today it's probably 99 plus percent of all asics are pointed at litecoin when it comes to script so you can't like change you can't change a bitcoin miner and flip it over to mining litecoin there are two different like computer programs they're running it on right so so if i have to compare right how much percentage like let's say bitcoin is in terms of just for the sake of simplicity comparison right i'd say on a scale of 100 i would say bitcoin is 100 on 90 percent 90 points secure what is the number Litecoin get it, can get into? Uh, what does it takes to make Litecoin is as secure as network effect as Bitcoin is today? I understand we don't have enough machines. You said uh, well, no that, assets. What I, what I look at it like, man, this is an interesting. This is the exact conversation, Master. You were in on this conversation earlier this week. What I look at it as, look at it as the percentage of miners that exist, how many of them are mining the coin you're concerned about? Because your attack vector, your your weakness comes in if somebody, if a whole bunch of those miners decide 
they're going to mine something else or that they can go against Litecoin, that they're somehow incentivized to defraud the Litecoin chain. That's what your concern comes in. So something like Bitcoin Cash right now or what happened to Bitcoin SV is that there's so many Bitcoin miners out there. They're all in the same algorithm as Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin SV. If a if 10% of Bitcoin miners, BTC miners, decide to attack BCH, they can do that. And they can essentially create a double spend or I'm not sure what they would exactly do, but that would be a security risk if you're in BCH right now. But it still isn't happening, which I think is really interesting to me. And maybe somebody else in here has some good understanding of why nobody is choosing to be a bad actor and attack some of these coins. It's, it's really, really, really expensive. Right. And so it's that same thing with Litecoin. Like you literally would have to either manifest all the ASICs in the world. You'd have to make enough of them today that to match the hash power that exists today, essentially double the hash power in a day and surprise attack Litecoin or convince 50% of the miners to stop mining Litecoin. Right? Yeah, well, you don't even get any reward either unless you're like performing some double spend attack through an exchange. And exchanges require a certain number of confirmation based on the security level of the network. So like, I don't know, I haven't looked at that in a long time, but it just like the the reward is almost not, nothing. Um, and the cost is pretty high. Nobody wants to waste money. Um, but I think, like, the other point that, uh, I forgot his name. Streaming. Streaming. Yeah. Streaming. yeah, it was making, like, in terms of how much security would Litecoin hash rate need to get to to be equivalent to Bitcoins. I think, you know, as price um, goes up, if if Litecoin Bitcoin ratio ever reached like 0.25 to one, such that their market caps were equal, you would see equivalent hash rate <clears throat> be moved up in the Litecoin network. I, I don't know how fast, how long it would take to get the manufacturing process and that hardware um, online, but eventually, right? Like it hash rate just follows price. If if there's more demand for the chain, security goes up. Um, more people are mining it. The 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 total cost. Um, of mining increases along with that hash rate. And eventually, because this is a globally competitive market, like profits go to zero. So it's, <clears throat> it really follows price. I, I think until Bitcoin fees like reach a level to where it prices out enough transactions such that Litecoin price starts really appreciating against Bitcoin, you're not going to see hash rate or the security level encroach on Bitcoin. But eventually, I think you probably will. I think eventually they could reach equal absolute security levels so you made what made what you made me think about with like i think it would be an interesting way to look at it when you talk about memory intensive versus i guess hash intensive on at sha is how many dollars are invested in securing the litecoin network today versus what's the market cap of of litecoin and then yeah. how many <clears throat> dollars are invested in bitcoin versus the market cap of bitcoin because right now, obviously, it's 100 times, you know, Bitcoin's like 100x plus on the market cap, right? Yeah, I was just looking at rewards last 24 <laughs> hours for Litecoin, about a million dollars, and Bitcoin's is like 45 million. Let's see. 
Right, uh, so you the, would say that the actual, that that would mean Litecoin has more dollars per market cap dollar invested in security than Bitcoin does. Um, what's, is the market cap more than 45 or more than 45 X difference? Uh, I think it's a hundred X or not almost, almost it's, a. Uh, yeah, so maybe, maybe if it'd be perfect, right? I'm, I, you might have to include the Dogecoin market cap with it. Cause I, I don't know how that works, but right, we got, because we got of the merge mining aspect and getting Doge rewards. So I'm not sure. Like. All right. Well, Indigo and Jay both came up. So if you guys want to, you might have something to say. We sorry we kind of took over there. <laughs> uh, just to 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 say a statement on on the whole mining and security aspects of things. Uh, a good comparison is comparing it to Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. So Bitcoin Cash has, you know, approximately two percent. It's probably even less now, but. It, probably one and a half percent um, dominance of the SHA-256 algorithm. So if you wanted to attack, say that all the Bitcoin miners of the world or a, a large pool of Bitcoin miners wanted to attack Bitcoin Cash, it would be very simple to do that. But because Litecoin was very cleverly built on its own script algorithm, it has dominance, like a 99% dominance of the algorithm. And there's no incentive for Litecoin miners to attack Litecoin. So the security there is really, really strong because of the way that it's devised. Whereas these smaller tokens that are already built on 256 are are more vulnerable to an attack because there are people out there that could have some sort of incentive to do that. If you're sitting there happy to mine Litecoin and it's still very profitable, then you know, you're not gonna stop doing that to go and attack your own thing that you're trying to make money off of and, and try and discredit. Yeah, that's probably the thing preventing the Bcash from being Attacked is that Bitcoin mining is profitable right now, so there's no why why be a bad actor if you don't have to be. You got the equipment, you're making money, knock yourself out, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Indigo, do you want to say something? I think you guys touched on it pretty well. Um, the only thing I would add is that uh, I think this is called the Nakamoto consensus. And, you know, Bitcoin has that, Litecoin has that, even Dogecoin has it. Um, I know that uh, back in the day, back in 2010, uh, Satoshi Nakamoto, Hal Finney, they worked on merge mining uh, so that, uh, you know, other uh, chains that were created would not compete for the hashing power uh, with Bitcoin at that time. But, um, yeah, no, you guys, uh, that was all the points that I was thinking of touching on. Uh, were answered. So, yeah, that's about all I got to add. All right. Big Chief is raising his hand. What's up, Big Chief? Yeah. Hey, guys. Uh, I, I I just jumped in the room. Um, I guess uh, I didn't... I don't know what you guys are really talking about, but I'd like to talk about NFTs if we could. Um, I've been kind of into the Omni thing real deep. Um, yeah. But you know what? Hang on one sec. Only because 
two F. Boy, his name's Village Idiot. If two for one, do you have something you want to say about the mining, or do you have something before we switch subjects? Uh, yeah, just a quick question about the mining. Are you guys aware of any of these uh, public companies that are uh, running any uh, Litecoin machines? That might be a J question. I I often wonder that. Like you're talking about like the big mining companies. They're all, they're always called Bitcoin miners, but I always assume they have Litecoin mining equipment. Again, why yeah, not? profitable, right? Yeah, the um, publicly traded companies. Uh, you know, I guess probably been following that with Bitcoin. I mean, it it seems advantageous because I think a lot of those organizations are tending to hold uh, a lot of their coins because they're getting that public funding. I was just kind of curious if anybody might know. Yeah, I, I don't personally, but go ahead, Jay. Uh, well, there's a company called Hello Pal. Um, I've got to recall all this stuff off the top of my head, so forgive me if I'm just kind of paraphrasing here. But um, they recently bought a whole contingent of L7s, and the L7 is the new ant miner, super miner that is 20 times more powerful than my old L3 Plus that seems archaic now compared to L7. Um, uh, and I think Hello Pal bought, I don't even know how many of them, but um, they're a, you know, they're a, a kind of a mining facility and have mining assets and they raised um, some money. It's all based in, in Canada, which obviously has a cooler climate, which is to their benefit. And I believe that, uh, you know, their whole initiative is um, somewhat sustainable. Um, as I recall, it was, you know, an interesting sustainable activity. So, um, yes, there are, there are mining facilities that, you know, have the wherewithal to buy new equipment. Um, there are, you know, there's, there are a lot of mining facilities that are more, private in nature um they're not publicizing themselves or you know trying to call any attention to themselves particularly if they're in you know a developing country or something like that so uh um, but i you know i think i think the majority of activity really comes from um enthusiasts yeah i, I was really interested this week um was it intel right they are, I guess, committing to developing a low a low voltage ASIC chip for mining, which I thought was interesting. They specified low voltage, um, and it's for Bitcoin now. But obviously, hopefully, at some point, it comes to Litecoin as well. Uh, that to me interests me. I wonder. I didn't get a chance to read too in depth about it, but I don't know if their aim is for more of at home mining or smaller operations that aren't these, you know, there's a, there's a thing out there. I brought this up with, uh, with master. I was talking to you about this. I think that there were these, if you go on Bitmain, there's a router slash Litecoin miner, meaning like your just your wireless router that you use for your internet, you plug it in and it mines a minuscule amount of Litecoin. They've advertised these things for years, but they never actually have come out with them yet. But that's what I would love to see somebody like Intel develop, something really small where 
your average user can spend a couple hundred bucks, get a secondary use out of it, and be securing the network and really decentralize this thing. Uh, for me, it's it's them trying to take advantage of a market demand. Um, you know, Intel's competition isn't only like other chip makers. It, it's also the, the kind of graphic units of this world that become scarce as well. And, and seeing this huge scarcity with uh, GPUs and GPU acquisitions and, and their manufacturing strategy for that. Intel can try to come out with something that also mines and becomes attractive to a whole wide array of, of enthusiasts and people that would want to mine Bitcoin specifically. So I, I think it's people sitting in the boardroom saying, wow, what's, what's the biggest chance we got at selling a new product? Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. It's Intel's interesting because ever since it, they got this like new CEO, this Pat Gelsinger guy, they've been like promising all these different things and in various different business ventures that they had been failing. Like they weren't even really running a foundry business or like a chip making business. They had kind of like failed, and TSMC and Samsung were kind of dominating. And who knows? It seems like to me that they're just trying to rebrand themselves. So I'm not like super confident that they'll pull it off but it's it's interesting and, and like on the home mining thing i'm super bullish on that because i think long term um if you do run into a currency crisis and governments start banning or whatever like I, i've pointed that out people disagree with me but i think home mining then would be like super profitable and very valuable to securing the network ultimately well, I, think, I, I, think, I think like as, as far as the business goes like like you mentioned jay enthusiasts right so if i can my normal router costs me 75 bucks, whatever it is, some device in your house. I can spend 250 bucks to, to buy a, a miner. I'm not necessarily looking for it to pay out big over the course of my, of my life. If it doesn't make a lot of noise, it doesn't cause me a major inconvenience. I'm an enthusiast. I might do it to my, to support the network and, and Hey, it's cool. I'm mining some coins. And, uh, I could see that being much more profitable. Like, hey, I, Intel can make a machine for twenty bucks and sell it for two fifty. Where if they're selling to these major mining uh, uh, houses, they could be very competitive. Their profit margins are going to get much smaller, and their and also their target market becomes much smaller when the machine makes a shit ton of noise and creates a bunch of heat. There's a lot of people that don't want to do that, you know. So the idea is going to be. How do you get as many people feeling comfortable they're running this machine and it's no inconvenience to them? Um, Bill, I promise you, or was it Big Bill, Big Chief? I promise we're gonna come back to NFTs. Or I want to say something about this about, or no? Yeah, because um, I mean, like what um, Elon Musk said about using it for an HVAC system and heating your house. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen that, but yeah. That that is, uh, I think that's it's an ingenious solution. I'd say about eighty percent of my heat in my house comes from mining equipment right now, and twenty percent comes from propane. And last year, a hundred percent of my heat came from propane. And this year, the propane expenses are up sixty percent. So I, I'd say there's a lot of people, if they, especially in northern climates, that have furnaces. 
there'll be uh you just you could just um take out like electric heating elements out of your furnace and put in mining equipment and then force the air through that and then whenever your furnace calls for heat you start mining litecoin and creating totally. heat and heating out yeah, i mean you could work so, like if you don't you know a large factory you could heat your fact you could heat a warehouse with this stuff you could heat a whole town a it's, it's crazy like, yeah there used to be municipal heat up here like there used to be lots of the small towns had uh heat lines that ran under the roads and they would heat the houses using a glycol system and they could be the city could be running a mining facility creating heat and then selling that heat not only are they making money off of the uh the litecoin itself but they're also they can also make money off of the uh the heat that they sell Wait. real pause real quick who city heat on a glycol system where is this happening uh yeah, that's back in the in the probably a hundred years ago. I'd say they they had these. They all these systems are gone now. Okay, I don't even talk. <laughs> I mean, well, actually, no, it makes sense. Minneapolis, it makes sense. I know what you're talking about, but yeah, Minneapolis, Minnesota, they have a glycol system. They have uh they have municipal heat in Minneapolis downtown that heats all the skyscrapers and uh, uh walkways and stuff like that. No kidding, but. They're, they they kind of got phased out, but even like small towns like Bemidji, Minnesota, they had a glycol system that ran throughout the whole entire city. Um, they don't have that anymore, but it could be readopted. Well, you I mean you could easily do public buildings. I mean businesses that are open twenty four hours a day, and like I said, warehouses are. I mean, look. Yeah. yeah. If you live in a northern a million climate, places. five months out of the year, you're running a serious amount of heat. So it's just a free it's a free byproduct, you know. Yeah, that's actually what I wanted to say. I think economies of scale still plays out here. Uh, the one solution that I heard uh, that I thought that was better than housing or like an individual house uh, were uh, were apartment buildings. So, you know, if you were to be gone for any period of time, a weekend, or if you're gone for vacation, you know, you don't, you're going to turn off your miners because you don't want to waste energy for heating an empty house. Or you could run it, but then you're kind of just, you know, you're, you're losing out on that benefit of uh, heating the house and also earning money. It's just earning money at that point. Um, If you own the apartment building, you could run the miners, charge some sort of flat rate for heat, and you're just pumping it up through the air ducts, you know? Yeah, and you lock in their prices. You could lock in their prices for like uh, maybe five years or something like that. And this will undercut. Yep, go ahead, sorry. You could undercut other... other sources of heat, like propane or whatever, you could say, well, what's your current price of, of heat? We'll undercut that by 25%, and then we'll lock you in for the next three years. Yeah, this is all yeah. the things that stability brings. You know, that's been the, I think that's the biggest difficulty, is the instability of, I'm going to say price, right? <laughs> the, the up and down, right? The the unpredictability. As, as, as Bitcoin becomes, and Litecoin become more uh, a, a station of permanence of our lives and a predictable thing, then all these things become possible. Uh, two, two for you have your hand up. What's up, man? Uh, yeah, maybe a little off the topic, but I was the to those that are following Elon, uh, has he mentioned anything about uh, nodes uh, with relation to uh, Starlink? Uh, that would probably 
apply to maybe Bitcoin and Doge, but um, just wondering if anybody had heard him reference any of that. No. Not that I've heard of. I've just heard rumors. But I, I'm currently running Starlink, and um, uh, and I've got Litecoin Omni running, and I and I had Litecoin um, Core running, and I was unable to forward my port, so I, I wouldn't I wasn't live on the network. Um, so yeah, they got to fix that thing before. I mean, they're obviously they don't even allow their users to run nodes at this point in time. I mean, while we're talking Elon and we're talking outer space, I think outer space mining is actually going to be the future. If you want my mm. <laughs> super future solar collecting, low temp mining out in outer space, securing the network. I think that will come. Uh, Srini, what's up? So is it fair to say the stronger, I know we don't have... Uh... Of Litecoin uh, family don't have Elon, but indirectly, is it fair to say uh, the stronger Dogecoin grows, it benefits Litecoin too because of the merge mining? Is that statement true? I 100% believe that. Uh, you know, I asked, I've said this repeatedly. If Charlie Lee ever comes in here, this is what I want to talk to him about. I want to understand merge mining. And it's not Indigo, it sounds like you've done more research than uh, maybe any of us. But Jay is in here. He works at the foundation. I put word out to Charlie this week. Jay, you got to bring him in here to talk about merge mining at some point in time. Because I, to me, this is one of the more interesting aspects of Litecoin. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I actually told everybody about... Uh, I, I, everybody at the foundation knows about this Litecoin underground thing. And we're we're all behind you and promoting it and helping you out. Charlie, uh, you know, maybe it's Charlie's dinner time. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's fine. I, I, I'm not. <laughs> It'll happen eventually if we keep doing these things. I'm not worried about that. Hey, guys. How's it going? What's up, Master? Oh, not too much, man. How you doing? Hey, hey I, I'm, gl- I'm glad to hear you not with your five screaming children. Uh, I, have, <laughs> I, have two, I have two kids. I just set them down. My wife's a gymnastic, but um, they're playing. What I was going to say, though, about Charlie is that, uh, that he's he's super busy, I think, this week with uh, MWeb. I saw somewhere I that, I yeah, I saw somewhere that I think he's, they're having daily meetings on it. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty exciting times for MWeb, definitely. But earlier, somebody mentioned something about public companies mining Litecoin. Yeah. And yeah, Hello Pal was the first one that came to mind that, that Jay mentioned. But the other one that I found was BitFarms. So if you go back to BitFarms, I think um, I think their quarterly reports, one of them, they I think it was 2019. It's been a while, but 2019, they mined a bunch of Litecoin. And then I recently read their filings that said that they, um, they purchased a bunch of miners and they weren't going to get them till like late 2021 or 2022. And you can kind of read into that because the L7s aren't really, I don't think they've been released yet. And I think that just this week, uh, Bitmain released something that said, hey, we're going to be delayed further on the L7s. So it kind of leads me to think that, you know, I'm putting two and two together. uh, And I do kind of have an insight 
uh, into bit farms a little bit. Uh, I had kind of a crazy idea. I was trying to partner to, to, to scale up a really large mining operation on the Columbia River in Washington. Uh, it just didn't work out with some people I was partnering with. But uh, anyways, the, the people who run that, um, they ended up par partnering with BitFarms. Um, and so I've been chatting with him. He didn't know, he doesn't even know much about like Doge or Litecoin that they were even merge mine. So I got their ear. Uh, obviously the folks at BitFarms already know this, but he was, he's like a consultant for them. So I think BitFarms is mining Litecoin. So, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, as long as it's profitable. Well, yeah. You're, you're, you're building a facility. Why wouldn't you diversify into it, you know? Yeah, the other, the other thing, too, I was going to jump in on was the hash rate, right? So a gentleman talked about the hash rate. I think it was Srini, possibly, yep. about the hash rate of Litecoin versus Bitcoin. If you look at early on... Litecoin hash rate, um, it it tracks bitcoins by about four years apart. So if you you know so if you look at the hash rate of Bitcoin four years prior, it was pretty close. You know since then that that gap's definitely widened. Um, and if you look at Litecoin's hash rate, it's pretty much just been flatlined. If you look at a log chart, it's flatlined since 2017. So what happened in 2017? The L3s were released. Um, that's probably one reason why we saw that kind of large step change. Um, we haven't seen that. Why? Because we haven't got new Litecoin miners, right? They've only tweaked the, the L3, making L3 pluses. There's a couple other miners, but there's no powerful new miners that have came out for Litecoin. So I think that's kind of why hash has been kind of flatlined. And, you know, some people think that hash rate follows price. I think they're kind of interchangeable. Um, and I expect, I really expect hash rate to just fly. Um, it's, it's probably going to just, I, I don't know what percentage is going to increase, but when it does, I think, and I think that's kind of why you're seeing some of these big players start to position. Um, you've seen some large whales recently. Uh, and I, I don't know if you guys know, but Samson Mao uh, and Max Kaiser were in El Salvador when, you know, when, um, when Charlie was down there, um, and so, you know, I'm just putting it all together. I think it looks like uh, even while, when, when they were down there, uh, hash rate for Litecoin, you know, Dogecoin network, it went off the charts. It was like almost 500. Uh, I think it was terahash at the, at the time per second. I think we're back down to like 300 something. That's a huge increase that happened in one day. And it happened while those guys were down there. It's, I, I don't know what that means, if it was a signal if they turn some miners on just to rent, you know, if they said, Hey, to ramp them all up right now, who knows? But for me, it was a sign that, you know, you got Charlie down there in El Salvador, there's a volcano. You got, uh, you got El Salvador president talking about a huge, um, uh, I think, I think mining operation going to be starting soon. I'm just kind of putting all this together, you know, um, and that guy earlier when talking starts. about flaming hot Doritos, right? So lava, yeah, yeah, volcanoes, yeah. it's all coming together. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, so, so there's something, <laughs> something's going down with Litecoin mining, I think. Um, so I don't know, man. It's exciting so gonna, times. We're going to have within about a month or within, within let's say, the first quarter, you're going to have MWeb. Um, we obviously have OmniLite is coming to life. L7s are going to come online. Uh, those are all pretty major events. 
I, I do. I think the L7 is – I'm going to be interested to see what happens with it. Um, personally, I would like to see uh, the price stay low for a while so somebody gets an L7, they decide they want to offload it for cheap because I think those things are going to be insane uh, coin-producing machines <laughs> in the short term. In the very Yeah, we're state. not allowed to talk about price, but – No, we're not. Yeah, we're not allowed to talk about price. Um, yeah, the chances of... ratio. You want to talk about Bitcoin ratio? I'll talk about that. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> well, hang on. Uh, all right, two for. Why don't you you got something that I want to give uh, Maximalist a chance here after you? What's up, two for? Yeah, I think I saw something the other day about uh, Dogecoin maybe going to proof of stake, some kind of collaboration with Ethereum. I don't know if there's – is there any validity to that? And I'm just kind of – I don't know if concerned is really the word. Uh, I know it's a, a popular, uh, you know, bean coin or whatever, been around for a long time. And, I mean, a lot of people would kind of get a little maybe upset about Elon, I don't know, whatever you want to say, showing it or promoting it or whatever, but – I mean, to me, it seemed kind of like, well, yeah, if somebody's merge mining Litecoin and Dogecoin uh, and they're trying to pay their expenses, well, maybe it's not such a bad thing if they're, you know, going to gonna uh, maybe liquidate some of that Doge to, to pay for that while they hang on to their Litecoin. I mean, I, I have no idea, but is, does anybody know if there's any what, – what's going on with that? Is that just a rumor or – anyway, just another another question. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I, I can speak it, to that. Oh, go ahead. What I, what I was going to say was, yeah, if you if you actually go to Doge, doge.org, they actually have a pretty good, they call it like a trail map, which is their kind of roadmap for, for Dogecoin. And yeah, I think it is on there. You got to realize it's a decentralized project, right? So, um, I mean, it's in the future, maybe Litecoin goes to something, uh, a different consensus mechanism. Who knows? But even if Doge were to go to proof of stake, um, the, the, the existing chain today, that's just software running, right? So I, I don't see why Doge would go away, right? So there's still going to be a bunch of people that are going to say, well, we don't want, we're not going to support Doge going to proof of stake. Uh, we're going to still run the proof of work um, that's merged with Litecoin. Um, and we're going to collect these Doge coins over here. So I, I don't necessarily see it. Um, as a problem, it'd be like I mean, a fork. Be, right? Yeah, sure, right? Just be a fork. Well, so I, yeah, I don't even know what would need to happen in order for that to actually. I mean, a hard fork would be. I mean, yeah, it, a hard anybody fork. could do that, right? A very short, a very small group could create a hard fork, Dogecoin yeah. Cash or whatever, right? Um, I, I I don't know what would need to have to happen for that to go through. To me. It I would, guess I'm in the dark about it. I don't see they the could, incentive of being there for anybody to support it. They it could make probably, a Doge. Uh, could they make a Doge token on Ethereum and then like have a wrapped Doge token or like a Doge token on Ethereum that's backed in? I the guess. Doge coin? Yeah, I mean, you could create a token out of thin air anywhere. Yeah, Basically I mean, I, a tether. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not quite sure. It, it would have if 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 Elon got behind it and told the masses this is the new dogecoin um that so they see because i don't know how many of them i think a good chunk of them are aware of how this all works right they, they could put a mechanism in place that is an you know an, 
a one-for-one -one exchange deposit. There's a couple of blockchains that were the you know, the be-all to end-all, like super new blockchains in the top 10. Um, one started with a T, one started with an E, and they both launched as kind of a ERC-20 token, raised billions each, and then they made their own blockchain with all that money, and then have ever since then been slowly dwindling down into the the never reaches of the 40s and 50s of market capitalization. So um, you, they could very easily launch proof of stake, which would be, oh yeah, let's just print all the money that we want and we'll make a really flashy white paper that says that we get 20% to power all the, you know, the 2,000 developers that we need to, you know, make Doge proof of stake wonderful for the next five years. And everybody could deposit, you know, Doge proof of work. And in exchange, they would get Doge proof of stake. I don't know if that's going to happen, but that's just off the top of my head the way I would do it. And uh, does the market support that, or do they care about that? Does it ultimately almost become uh, like this world coin that came out where everyone goes, "Oh yeah, whatever," and just nobody gives a shit? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's not yeah. you're not the OG Dogecoin. Like to me, Dogecoiners are probably pretty committed to the original chain. I don't, I don't get the mentality that they're 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 not budging. I guarantee you, seventy five percent of those people have no idea what proof of work is. I get it, or but or they, ever even who, heard of. Why would you want to own an offshoot of Dogecoin when you could own the original? Right. All right. Litecoin Maximalist has been waiting a while. I think most What's people up, own their Dogecoin on Robinhood, and Robinhood may or may not even hold their Dogecoin. Yeah, they have thirty two percent of the Dogecoin, but uh they may not actually i mean there may be more ownership of dogecoin within the retail investor class on Robinhood than 32% of the dogecoin i don't know i'm not underestimating that community man i keep i i listen to those people they got dude they i'm not saying they're like crypto experts in any way shape or form but there's there's Twitter spaces going on 24 hours a day with Dogecoiners. Well, there's a culture, yeah. there's a culture there. Well, you have to realize do Elon, only good every day. Well, Elon has a uh, massive. He, he now has 70 million followers. Right. So just himself, he's a culture, right? And you never want to bet against Elon at all, ever. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's an anomaly for sure. No, that's, all right, Max, that's... hang on, hang on. Litecoin Maximus has been waiting, like, very patiently. What's up, man? Hey, what's up, guys? What's up, Master? Finally, we got to talk even uh, over here. Um, I just want to say uh, two things, or one thing. Um, so, so some of you guys uh, might know I've been working with this company, and uh, it's, I talked to Master about it. They are trying to get a lot of uh, Mexican artists in uh, on onto NFTs, 
and I'm trying to push NFTs on, on Litecoin. So I, I want to keep you guys up to date on that. And also, uh, this company asked me to do the math on um, on how profitable it will be to mine or what kind of equipment you, uh, you will require. And out of probably 10 machines that I quoted, uh, the, the only coin that gets you your money back in less than a year, it's Litecoin. It's not Bitcoin, it's Litecoin. Uh, and usually you will get uh, your money back in less than a year if you mine uh, Litecoin with, with Dogecoin. And if you start mining Bitcoin, it takes you about a year and a half to pay up uh, the machine. I just want to say that because because of the uh, topic. Right. No, why like why Litecoin said it? Over time, profit margins get extremely slim as people find cheap energy and um, yeah, it, mining's a tough game. I did it. It's tough. It's very tough to make make it profitable, but um, yeah, Master, do you talk to like the Maximalista? Do you guys know yeah. each other? Or no, we we just oh. been chatting. We just been chatting through DMs. Yeah, he's doing great yeah. things down there, man. Oh yeah, it's, I'm looking forward to this Litecoin City down there. It's pretty exciting. It sounds way cooler than Bitcoin City. <laughs> Litecoin City. I think they're both cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't need the Lightning Network. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, I think that's coming. It's all coming. I think anywhere, if you were to track everywhere Bitcoin goes, Litecoin goes. We're not far behind. Um, all right, I'm going to bring up Henry. Well, Henry Neal, you came up. I just want to see if you are if you want to talk because you came up a while ago. I want to give everybody a chance to talk when they come up. Yeah, I had something to say. Um since there's a hard cap on um, Litecoin and there's not one on Doge, um, so theoretically they just can print as much as they want, or how does that work? Does anybody know? Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I was... that's how it works. It, it, uh, the blockchain prints or mints 10,000 Doge every minute. Yep. Um, I, I, have, I have this conspiracy theory about why Elon Musk pushes Dogecoin so much. It is what Where is that to fiat the most. Well, let's we can we can table a conspiracy theory, but just just yeah. for a straight answer. Um, yeah, it, it, it is like you said, ten thousand a minute, right? Yeah, and that never that never ends. So Dogecoin no. will create ten thousand. Dogecoin every minute that is in the protocol or the code. Um, yeah, and I almost, I'm glad Indigo wants to come up because he'll explain it very well. But Indigo, what I like about you, I feel like you're, I can just, it's like pressing play when it comes to Dogecoin and Litecoin. Somebody has a question about these two chains together. I bring up Indigo, I press play, and he can knock out the technicals. It's fantastic. <laughs> But go yeah so all right, it's a it's been, I look at it as a fixed inflation is what I I view it as. But go ahead, Indigo. Well, uh, it's technically not fixed because um, you know as the supply supply continues to increase, 
the issuance rate is fixed, uh, but because of that, it technically is still disinflationary, just albeit slower than Bitcoin and Litecoin. Um, and uh, this is like trying to remember something from 10 years ago uh, when I studied economics, but um, I think that they mentioned you do want the inflation rate of a currency to be close to the GDP of a country to kind of make it as stable as possible. Um, so you don't have to deal with like, you know, uh, prices changing all the time or something like that. Uh, so in some regards, I know I, I, I listened to Master Shed that link to me, but his uh, talk with, um, shoot, what's that guy's name? The Russian guy, I think, in the suit. But uh, Elon Musk says it's not perfect. You know, it's not ideal, but it's a, it's closer towards that, I think, is what he was trying to get at. Um, and the other thing I want to say, though, is, like, we could expect over time the fee for Litecoin to increase. And I think that for a lot of people in a developing country, uh, that on-chain fee would eventually be, just like the same issue with Bitcoin, uh, uh, not economical for people to do on-chain transactions. So I do think that layer two is a solution we do need. Um, and it's just something right now that's not necessary for Litecoin. Yep, 100%. You guys want to say, Jay? Yeah, I mean, there's a few things that you guys kind of have talked about, and they, they kind of intertwine themselves together. So, you know, the future of Do Dogecoin is that they've put together a elaborate board of big very big names including Balotic and and elon um so if they do move proof of stake which i would say is inevitable um they're going to move the proof of stake and kind of this way that we think about doge existing right now will be completely different however they envision it and you know granted they're very very smart people and can probably figure it out but they're not dedicated to this project they're they're off and very dedicated to their other projects so the most they're ever going to put towards this is a very very small section of time but they will sprinkle it with development people so those are the people that will figure it out so us trying to decide where doge is going I think is kind of irrelevant until they reveal their strategy. Um, in in the sense of what exists now and, and merge mining, um, you know, Doge and Litecoin can be merge mined together, and the, the kind of process that you do that through is auxiliary proof of work. So I won't bore you with all the technical stuff about it, but basically, you say I want to mine Litecoin, and you kind of also boost the dogecoin hash rate and thus people that want to mine, mine dogecoin they can merge mine and boost the hash rate of litecoin so it, it is a security play in that the hash rates get boosted by the parent chain and and of course you know the the long story short is that it becomes more profitable so right now we're living in an era where despite the history, which you can read about, um, Dogecoin has gone through this process where it has a fan, and that fan has a great voice, 
and he doesn't necessarily understand that he's just fanboying this meme coin for fun and teaching entire generation to not look at real fundamentals. So in some respects, merge mining is a, is a, is a great benefit now. And if Dogecoin goes off and goes to proof of stake, they'll be in a, a totally different realm from here on out. And I think Litecoin will, will do well in that scenario because of two things. One is we're not, you know, we're not a group of, of people that have exerial, you know, alternative or, you know, play projects. Uh, Litecoin is our, our main focus. And that goes for, for Charlie as well. I mean, Charlie has a lot of things that he's involved in, but Litecoin is his baby and he will always dedicate more time to that. That's his, you know, one of his primary focuses in life is his creation. So I think, I think a lot of these, the Dogecoiners are missing out on something very special. And that is doing what a lot of people in the Litecoin community, particularly these, this group of people are doing, which is considering all the angles. You know, when you see a very narrow-minded, one-coin type focus, it seems dis disingenuous. It seems unauthentic. And that's something very special about this community is they're more than willing to consider the various options that are presented in front of them, especially if it benefits, you know, all parties involved. Yeah, I, I, I think like, I think Doge, um, I feel like it comes up every single week in these groups. Um, I'm not going to undersell that community. I don't. I keep, I don't know why. I know, look, I understand it's very meme oriented, but I don't feel there's, um, I kind of feel like they have the right, uh, they're, they have their head in the right place somewhere. I don't know why. There's something about it. I just, I just, I keep feeling like these are the, and when you talk about, hey, they don't, you know, they don't understand proof of work. Yeah, today they don't. But did it, did, they stumbled into this place, and here they are, and uh, I, I just keep saying, hey, I want to welcome these people in, and like you said, if they, I mean, if they went to proof of stake, to me, I think Dogecoin becomes just another coin on the pile. Like, once the meme energy runs out, it's over, you know, and uh, proof of work, there's only, I mean, how many proof of work coins are there even out there anymore that are in the top? Hundred, not very many. Top two hundred, three hundred. There's just very few that even exist. They've all because proof of stake's the easy way out. It's the easy way to pump your market cap. Um, you know. So, uh, who is it that somebody had a really good? Oh man, somebody had there. Uh, it's one of our Litecoin normal Litecoin people that had a really good point about proof of stake. Something like, hey, I make uh, I make a thousand coins. I sell a hundred of them at a dollar, and then I promise you, I'll give you one coin a month as an incentive to stake your coins so that you don't sell them. 
while I go and sell the other 900 of them, right? Like, it's just, it's a total, it's putting incentive structures in the wrong places. But Srini, you wanted to say something. Go ahead, man. Yeah. So I've been following Dogecoin as well a lot. But I think if you see, Elon is never a fan of POS, especially the fight again we see with Jack Dorsey initiated. He was supporting that. Uh, as uh, Jay mentioned, uh, and you've been saying that, you know, if POS doesn't follow Nakamoto consensus, they are losing the security, right? And the whole dynamics will change if they switch to POW to POS. And I, I just ruin the reputation, new controversies. And moreover, Elon is never a fan of proof of stake. So I don't see any reason they will switch to POS. That's my few cents. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I don't see the advantage to it. You're already... Like, there's almost no cost of security for them, right? They yeah, get if they back on Litecoin, so why would you, why mess that up? For and what? if they, what's the if game? Right? If their tokens required, right, on Ethereum or any chain, there are already enough docs available, like Shiba Coin, Shiba Coin, whatever, right? Dogecoin will become another kind of token uh, if they are moving to Ethereum. Um, so absolutely, they are not switching to Ethereum or Solar, not any any smart contracts platform. Uh, also, I would like to put one thought process here, just ambitious one. Uh, I know the Litecoin is, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert, not in a position to even uh, suggest you all Litecoin experts. But one thought process is, uh, since the uh, Turing incompleteness of Bitcoin or Litecoin, right, is kind of stopping us to uh, build the smart contracts uh, any any possibilities that uh, Litecoin in the future uh, switch to not proof of stake, but any other Nakamoto consensus, uh, which will enable a lot of uh, other futures, especially one which uh, I'm not sure if I can talk about other blockchains, but uh, Litecoin still remains my on top forever. But this other proof of uh, that consensus algorithm, which is really promising, I've been following it, is a proof of space and time, which is from Bram Cohen, is the creator of BitTorrent. And even if you see the uh, Satoshi Nakamoto white paper on Bitcoin, he kind of mentions uh, BitTorrent is the, he want to create a monetary policy similar to BitTorrent. In fact, the bit from the Bitcoin, he took from BitTorrent. So the guy is very authentic, very technical. So he created a new... After Bitcoin, I think it's the first uh, new Nakamoto consensus out there. Pretty smart guy, uh, honest guy. So the question to Jay and Litecoin experts is, what is the possibility to go away from proof of work to something like any Nakamoto consensus, not proof of space, I call proof of shitty. That thing is just another fiat world. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, so... Yeah, that's a question to Jay or any Litecoin experts out there. Maybe Charlie would have been a right person to answer, but I think I think I think the um, the uh, project you're talking about is Chia. That's correct. Space stuff. That's, that's correct. Um, so yeah, Chia's. I, I think Chia actually is a taking advantage of people's hard disk space. Um, so it was it was very popular initially launched um, idea. Uh, and yeah, proof of space time is 
I mean, basically kind of a, a consensus layer gimmick, but it sounds really, really cool, especially someone like me that likes theoretical physics and, you know, the whole idea that, you know, there's this per- permissionless consensus protocol was was kind of new when she was she was started. Now with DAOs, it's it's like anybody could build a DAO in a couple of hours. Um, but there is a you know a specific kind of mining aspect of mining chia that that is kind of attractive to people because they can earn it themselves by dedicating space to the the consensus. Um, but also, Litecoin. Is, sorry, just one. I want to say, Chia destroys hard drives, so don't don't start mining it. It's really bad for your hard drive. Sorry, just want to say that. Yeah, that's that's good to know because I've thought about it, but I never actually did it. Um, so the the answer to your question is: there any evolution of Litecoin that's going to happen that we should look out for? And uh, yes, you know, and there's a lot of public awareness that the foundation has brought to um, our looking at how to kind of evolve Litecoin into smart contracts. There was a lot of discussions with Cardano about a Velvet Fork um, and look up Velvet Fork because it's not a hard fork and the foundation is not very interested in having a hard fork, but a Velvet Fork is kind of attractive and the idea of having uh, a smart contract uh, scenario with Cardano is also very attractive, and I think it's very attractive to Cardano as well. Um, you know, since we have this, you know, insane activity on Litecoin, uh, it would it would go hand in hand with the credibility that Cardano brings in smart contracts. If and when you know they tend to be more robust. Um, there's a lot of uh, people that can look at DeFi options, smart contract options, um, other types of scenarios where Litecoin is is utilized, like pools, and um, I think Thorchain has a whole thing that that is on Litecoin now. Um, so there's there's ways to you know profit from your existing Litecoin that you have. I don't recommend any of them um, because obviously there's added risk involved and I wouldn't want anybody to put themselves in a situation where, you know, they're risking something for a few percent. Um, But it is there and it it is evolving and there's, you know, a number of different, number of different ones that that have launched, including uh, Tron, uh, boring DAO. Um, you got to remember them all now, uh, and I think Thor Chain as well. And there's there's one more that a big one that I'm forgetting. But well, it's interesting you brought up Thor Chain. Thor Chain, by the way, added Doge this week. So, you know, <laughs> coincidentally, yeah. I have, <clears throat> I have some. I have very few coins in there, like three or four Litecoin in there. <clears throat> but um, there was a exchange that got hacked for another. I don't know, 15 million bucks or something this week. Crypto.com. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, boy, it just makes me more and more paranoid. Every, every, you know, I had this whole plan where I was going to stake some coins. and I did it for a couple months, and I was like, I just can't do this. Like, to me, it's it's not worth uh, 
the risk. You really are exposing yourself in a completely unnecessary way. Well, even centralized exchanges, you don't, you just, you don't know what, you don't know what's going on with those coins. And one of the, one of the things that's so revolutionary about true cryptocurrencies is that you can hold it yourself. You don't need to trust these third parties. So, uh, two, two for again. Go ahead, and then uh, I got somebody else, some new coming up. So, what's up, two for? So yeah, um, what is the what are the thoughts on uh, WBTC? And uh, has any has anybody uh, been trying to use that? And what is it? So I I guess there's kind of a, a market maker for that. I'm not really quite sure who um, was was behind the, providing the I guess the the market maker or the liquidity for that. I don't know the swap, the side chain, whatever. And if if there's maybe what Charlie Lee's thoughts might be on the potential of uh, having a, a similar situation uh, with with Litecoin. I don't know if there would be any way that uh, with, you know, the major exchanges, um, if, you know, whatever large uh, holders of Litecoin might be, you know, possibly interested in providing some of that liquidity, uh, maybe in exchange for, you know, a small return. Uh, and is there any way that that could, you know, possibly uh, go towards funding development for Litecoin? Um, and there was another, I had another question about Litecoin development, but I'll just go ahead and hold off on that. Uh, it was a funding related thing. Well, wrapped, um, so wrapped Bitcoin is, again, from my understanding, somebody can tell me if I'm wrong, it's like essentially somebody is um, adding Bitcoin to the Ethereum network locking it in a smart contract uh, to make Bitcoin usable on Ethereum chains or, you know, sub subchains and protocols and whatever. So it is Bitcoin. It's just kind of locked up. I, I would almost look at it as like a layer two solution might be the best way to, to see that. It just makes Bitcoin usable and tradable within the Ethereum ecosystem. Uh, there is wrapped Litecoin coming. Uh, Jay, again, since you're here from the foundation, I know they, I think they made an announcement about it, right? Like within the last month. So they, yeah, uh, the, the, the really prolific way to look at WBTC is, is if you look at Grayscale and Grayscale's, you know, basically sells, um, the idea of institutions that can buy LTCN and WBTC and all these things. And it all came about because owning rep BTC was extremely, had this, you know, great return. Um, so yeah, rap projects are, are kind of exactly what you said. It, it makes Bitcoin interchangeable with an ERC Ethereum uh, scenario um, and enables those Bitcoin holders to kind of tokenize their Bitcoin into Ethereum so that they can take advantage of decentralized apps and trade it in decentralized, you know, DeFi kind of ways. Um, Bitcoin, uh, Litecoin has a number of different wrap projects that are live at the moment that are because Litecoin is so accessible and open source anybody could come along and just build their own. Um, and those are kind of the names that I mentioned before, like 
Tron has a wrapped version on the Tron network and Boring DAO has that wrapped version into a pool that you can have a return on and um, whatever the other one is that I'm I'm forgetting, but they, they are out there. There is a, you know, a larger idea where Litecoin could do, a, you know, its own kind of wrapped version. Um, I wouldn't say that there's anything that's public knowledge about where that's going yet or what could happen there. Um, you know, again, the beauty about Litecoin here is that it is very decentralized in nature and the foundation is kind of this this sounding board for projects and and people to 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 include themselves into the community so uh any one of you could go out there and build you know an entire wrapped ecosystem or build something on omnilight and and make it into the next you know tokenized version of whatever kind of solution that you're trying to solve. Uh, and the foundation will be here for you to, to help voice that and make that happen. I try not to rattle on too much, otherwise. No, sorry. I was, I <laughs> bore you like, guys all to death. I'm trying to get into, so I have a new, I have, I'm changing, I told you I'm changing jobs. So I'm like reverting back to an old phone and this one, you know, Indigo's mentioned, I'm sitting here with my phone on an ice pack. So I had to go up and get ice pack. So I was muted for a minute, but uh, yeah, I, I think I mean, I just don't, what I would tell you is like, when you look at wrapped Bitcoin, I would only view that as um, it's just, it's a representation of Bitcoin that's locked up and being used on the Ethereum blockchain there's nothing it's not like there's some sort of new it's not anything different than regular bitcoin you know it's paper bitcoin might be the best way to look at it um at least again as my understanding goes so master's popping up he must have something important what's up master hey guys can you hear me yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Hey, so one thing I was going to just, I'm kind of just thinking out loud here on wrapped, on wrapped tokens or assets, right? Um, what would it, do you think it's a possibility to wrap Dogecoin on Omni? Like, is that something that Omni can even do? I know we're, we've been, you know, uh, uh, the way Omni is set up right now, it kind of looks like you're kind of limited to just a few commands. I don't know if more can, commands can be built on top of that. Um, but it would be interesting to think about if, if you could wrap Bitcoin or Doge or Ethereum on Omni. And I really, I don't know the, I don't know the answer. I would, I would say yes, but it would take, you know, the way I see it, it's like, um, you know, USDT. Uh, so what you would do is you'd have to have a wallet address. I, this is my I'm thinking this out right now. I'm not sure. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but I would say that, you know, for Dogecoin, for example, you'd have a Doge wallet. And for every Dogecoin in that wallet, you could then issue a Doge token on Omnilight. And then essentially you're tokenizing Dogecoin uh, that way. And you're able to use the Litecoin or the Dogecoin on Litecoin uh, 
to do Doge transactions. Um, yeah, I think you could. Uh, yeah, that's you know actually as as you just said that I I think it might just be that simple because um, wrapped Bitcoin is just an I think it's just a, a a token on Ethereum right so somebody has to manage that token supply kind of like a stable it's really kind of like a not a stable coin but it's a stable not even stable it's just a a wrapped um, asset so as kind of like a fun thought experiment how about I send you some Doge and then you create some tokens that are wrapped. <laughs> Well, that, but yeah, that's what Jay was that. saying about the whole change in a to a proof of stake is like you could realistically create that right now. People choose to burn their burn, quote unquote, burn by locking up the actual on chain tokens or coins. Yeah. And then so in, Indigo representation uh, of that coin. That's what you're talking about. Indigo, what country are you in right now? Can you, um, are you outside of the United States? Yeah, I'm actually in the Philippines right now. Perfect. Do you want to create a Doge bank? And uh, I'll send you some. I'll send you some Doge, and then you can wrap it. Um, oh, funny, funny enough. Um, let's do it. You could do it. Well, I was wondering if there should be a way we could do this decentralized with atomic swaps. Um, and okay. So there, there might just be a mechanism within all this functionality out there. We could do it that way completely decentralized um well I'm so what you're saying is you would just yeah. you would just send um so the idea would be that if there would be a wallet uh, an address i would send dogecoin to and then it would automatically atomic swap that to a, create a token uh exactly so uh, on omnilight what it would do well yeah it'd be like a, a wallet address and every time every time someone puts money into their dogecoin into there it would then issue, um, what's it called? Uh, it would grant, uh, Omnilite is the function's grant, right? Mer uh, for uh, managed tokens. Mm -hmm. So it would grant that token and it should send it back to an address you control on Litecoin. Oh. That's how I see it would work. Um, or would you have to, or would you have to, if I sent you Doge, you'd have to send me that wrapped Doge, correct? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, it's, it'd be a fun, it'd be a fun experiment just for us to learn. It, it may not be right, um, but I'm down to do it. I don't have any Doge. All I have is Litecoin. So I was technically, well, I was thinking of doing this myself. I created THPL, which is supposed to be a representation of Philippine pesos. And for every mm -hmm. single peso I have, I was going to grant myself that amount on the, uh, on OmniLite. And so of that token, and every time I burn it or every time I use it, I just burn the amount that I have. So it's essentially a pseudo type of accounting. Um, or yeah, it's, an account, it's another way to account what I have. And this is essentially what USDT is doing, except that mm -hmm. they don't really hold one to one. Um, so I'm in the Philippines and I'm actually thinking about being like doxing myself just to tell you what I'm thinking about. Um, I have a classmate of mine who's now the governor or who has been a governor of a province. Well, all right, so his name is Matt Minotuk, uh, and his uncle is uh, Bongbong Marcos, his, uh, whose father uh, was the dictator, wow. uh, uh, yeah, uh, Ferdinand Marcos. So I do have some close connections here in the Philippines to politicians, and 
I would love to pitch this idea of them issuing silicon pesos uh, on the Bitcoin or Litecoin uh, protocol, OmniLayer, OmniLite. Um, but yeah, that, that's definitely something I was thinking about, but I don't have much, you know, I don't have much uh, weight with these people. But uh, still, something I was thinking about. Well, Indigo, you've been bringing this, you've been, you brought up something um, about stable coins. And that was something I didn't mention in what's going on with Litecoin, the development in the last 16 months. We talked about, or this next quarter, MWeb's coming. Uh, <clears throat> I think stable coins are coming, which to me is massive adoption. But you talked about uh, El Salvador or any of these countries deciding, let's make a stable coin on OmniLite. Don't you, like, I, I look at that and think that that would be a, a massive burden on the blockchain. Um, like, or do you yeah, are you thinking more like in light, lightning network terms? Well, both, right? So I've been diving into it. Omnibolt is the lightning version of uh, OmniLayer. So you would issue like OmniLayer is the let's say layer one uh, for Bitcoin's version of Omni. Omni uh, OmniLite is layer one version for Litecoin, and they have OmniBolt. Uh, that's the layer two, and it's using technology like Lightning, but it's not exactly how like Lightning. There's some differences I don't know. Um, I'm not that technical to understand it, but um, I can. I just need to spend more time. Uh, what's it? The so oh, I'm sorry. What was the question? I got a little sidetracked. Talking about USD uh, or well, the, the burden, like, the burden like, of it. Be, yeah. So yeah. you know, I mean. When you grant a token on Omni on, on OmniLite, right? You could grant a thousand tokens at once, a billion tokens at once. Um, so essentially, if the token is built in peso representation, I could, if I were the central bank, it would just be one transaction on the Omni Bolt OmniLite layer. Now, for every other additional people, yes, it would essentially each one of those would be a transaction on the blockchain. Um, and yes, this is what I'm saying, like why lightning is also very important because this blockchain block the block size is very limited it's one megabyte per block for excuse me bitcoin litecoin and dogecoin uh, so they can only handle so many transactions per block um, and eventually it's going to become uneconomical for most people to transact on layer one for the most part or on a daily basis um, they might be able to afford it weekly monthly yearly uh, but still it becomes cost prohibitive. Uh, so, yeah, I was just thinking that, you know, there's these talks about CBDCs, uh, you know, China's issuing it essentially within their own SQL database, uh, but with OmniLayer and what they're doing at Omni, at Omni uh, you know, you could do this on top of Bitcoin and Litecoin. And, you know, that's beneficial to the network because they pay the fees to the miners. To be able to issue these tokens every every time they do an on-chain transaction. Yeah, I could almost see um, like fiat being a layer three, right? In yeah, some... you could say that. I, you know, I don't know where it was stand, but yeah, I could see that. I'd call it technically a layer. I don't know. It's actually kind of confusing. It's like a half layer, um, <laughs> somewhere in between, I guess, because it's still on layer one Bitcoin, right? But it's just, but it's yeah, I don't know. 
Yeah, I just worry because like, like I like I like where your brain goes, and sometimes I, I always I like I'm a contrarian by nature, and so I go, well, wait, why would we want to you know burden Litecoin with all these on-chain transactions? Is that really necessary? Again, I go, what are we solving? What 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 are we fixing if we do that? And let's not force it in for no particular reason. Uh, two oh, for hey. Well, well I go, just want to say on that on that note, I'm actually currently uploading an entire JPEG to the Omni blockchain, uh, 255 characters at a time. So <laughs> it's going to be uh, 393 tokens long, and uh, to recompile the image, you're going to have to copy and paste the uh, the data stream from 393 uh, individual tokens and then recompile them into a JPEG. It's pretty intense and it's very uh, monotonous, but that's what I'm doing while I'm listening to you guys. I'm 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 well, literally you know, I'm literally Matt, doing Matt, Master's about to chime in, but he said something about this this week about like the ability to send messages across Omni, right? For a yeah. fraction of a penny, locking into the blockchain. 200 and some odd characters um, is pretty wild. It goes back to this whole idea of like this truth machine, right? You could put an entire book on the blockchain that, you know, like a book like you're afraid that may be banned. Mm-hmm. Maybe like uh, George Orwell's books or something like that. Somebody, uh, somebody's been putting, um, I think, uh, some Bible verses on there. Um, I saw that recently. But yeah, it was kind of interesting that you brought up there. Like, what if we had a decentralized Twitter built on Omni, right? And so you, you pay your $5, think of it like a 5 or $10 monthly fee to use that service, which would be Omni, Omni Lite, uh, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then you'd obviously have to build a platform on top of that. Um, and there's probably obviously some, there's obviously a lot of work that have to go into this, but um your tweets would essentially be um, every transaction, right? And so that platform would go hunt for that data um, and then display that information. And now you're not using a centralized server. And that's probably what Blue Sky is going to be, that Jack um, Dorsey is going to build. Um, you know, he really loves Bitcoin. So I don't know if he's going to try and build it on Bitcoin um, or maybe like a, like a liquid layer or something. Um, so... Yeah. Oh, I was, I was going to add one more thing. Hey, so Big Chief, so uh, what's the picture of? Is it is it of uh, the the Tallix? It's a big um, dick pic. Oh man, you should do it of the, <laughs> you should do it of. Uh, <laughs> it's uh. Did, did you see Elon's tweet recently? Frank and beans. No, it's actually just an image that a friend of mine created herself, and I am. Yeah, that's it. Uh, it's a picture of a boxing. Uh, boxing wolf so it's nothing special or anything it's just i mean it's special to me so i guess and her and it's going to be on the blockchain forever now so it's going to be special to you too i'd imagine i'd imagine there'd be a way to do this with python and you could automate that whole process oh that's what i but that's exactly what i need is is a fucking python programmer to to make because it, what it's doing is I, I've taken the JPEG into something called Base64, and he uses 64 keyboard characters uh, to encode uh, a JPEG to uh, a text file. 
So you, if you could have a base 64 encoder that also automatically um, created the, the uh, input for the console on Omni, and uh, you would just upload an image and hit save, and it would just automatically just save it right to the blockchain in a certain file system. And then you could do this, you could uh, have another similar um, mechanism to um, re uh, to de uh, de decode it. Decode it, yeah. Yep. Hey, can yeah. I tell you that? that, that could, oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Indigo. Go ahead. I think you're done. I was just I was just gonna say like it's not really much, but um, it's possible to do. I know that it's possible, but I just haven't spent the time to be able to figure that out. Uh, I know there's a way to connect, uh, you know, I think the Omnilite has a Python uh, interface, CLI, um, and it is also written partially in Python. I don't know, I think you need to speak to someone else, but um, if you if you want to learn Python, you could probably figure it out. Yeah, I reached out to some of my programmer friends to see if they would be interested in working on it. Maybe after I make this first one by hand, then I'll be like motivated to learn Python because it has taken me literally five hours so far and I'm not even halfway through. Yeah, what I was going to say to you guys is, uh, talking about the first, I mean, to me, maybe the first uh, NFT that was on Omnilite was that one that got auctioned off, right? By... Uh, Rob D to Torch and he gave the money to the foundation, right, Jay? He did. 22 yeah. Litecoin. As soon as that happened, I was kicking myself that I didn't do it. Because I think that's the first one ever. <laughs> that will ever, that will forever be the first one ever. So I need to reach out to Torch. Maybe he'll that, let... that was the first, like, bidding. I think one was one NFT that sold for, like, one Litecoin. Well, there was there was a couple ones that were just like, does this really work? One yeah, like yeah. here, one like here. Uh, this guy Stan had, had sold a, a sold one. And he just said this one's worth two Litecoin and like sold immediately before I could even share it, share it to people. I don't know. I thought because um, I always want to give to the foundation anyway, and so I'm like, oh, that is a perfect opportunity. As soon as it got done, I I thought, why didn't I do that? Just to say it right. Uh, too for you got something else man yeah i was just kind of wondering uh with the omni light and you if you issue a like a stable coin token on that is would those tokens have any uh kind of cross compatibility or benefit from the mweb and if i mean i was just kind of thinking you know if you had a like a usdc omni light uh with some of the mweb benefits i mean that would be really something <laughs> just kind of keep, probably way out of left field but just um just no, I, I like the thought process there i really do. yeah i, 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 I asked little shen the exact same question as soon as he explained to me omni light for the very first time i was like okay is mweb gonna work with this and so you know it kind of brought me back down from the cloud i was in the sky and said okay well first let's just kind of launch this and we haven't even launched NWeb yet, but theoretically, in the future, um, which was something that I I kind of wanted to talk about tonight, you know, this whole idea of 
of all these things working together is going to be, you know, in the near future. I, I, th- I, re- I truly believe that these two products or these two decentralized ecosystem products that are offshoots of Litecoin in general are you know, going to be the purest form of how people can evolve blockchains to their uses um, without gas fees, which is absolutely beautiful. Having stable coin on OmniLite makes complete sense. And that's exactly what Tether is on Ethereum. It's a stable coin on Ethereum. I think it's also on uh, Matic or something like that. And Tether on Ethereum is 70, 70, 80 billion dollars of market capitalization just sitting there and doing nothing. So it would be to a lot of people's advantage to launch a stable currency. Um, I think the, the, the thing that I don't want to say it's a disadvantage because it's kind of an advantage as well. Um, Ethereum has thousands of developers working on it. And I'm talking about Ethereum, not all the other tokens that are made from Ethereum, but Ethereum in general has thousands of developers that are actually working on it. And Litecoin has a, you know, more than a handful, but a handful of developers. So what what Litecoin has achieved with the manpower that it has is absolutely extraordinary. And I think it's real testimony to the quality of the kind of people that are involved in this organization. And I won't include myself in that because I'm not a developer. But I think it's really wise to think of this, that you see a lot of these projects that printed a lot of money or did a ICO or, you know, launched themselves in a way that raised a lot of money and they hired a lot of people and they haven't yet been able to achieve a lot of the things that Litecoin achieved almost instantaneously with some of the things they did with just a handful of people. So, I'm very open to ideas on how to help the foundation raise money. Um, I don't see that any, you know, the people in this room donating money is the answer to that. I see that there's a much larger thought process into how we encourage people to use OmniLite, encourage people to join the community, uh, encourage people to to learn more about Litecoin in general and they'll all see the truth for themselves as we all have. Uh, And and I I think there's ways to do that that are out of the core norms of what we're doing now. You know, if you've seen the foundation, we've, you know, we basically had Litecoin on the back of a NASCAR and a driver was getting Litecoin paid in Litecoin. That was last year. Um, that was the first. We were the first to sponsor an NFL team. We were the first to get into uh, MMA and and 
uh, Ultimate Fighting Championship and do something there. And now what, these. What, what I'll say to you, Jay, I think what's been um, so encouraging because I, I, I first got exposed to Litecoin like a lot of people in seventeen, and um, you know Charlie is such a. I mean, he's he's the best figurehead you could have, right? And I think one thing that what you're talking about is all this development money, all this, everything, all this VC money that goes into all these other chains. What's come out of that is a lot of just bullshit, basically. And I think what the foundation has done and what Charlie's done has been very aware of the fact that they have limited, um, limited assets, right? Limited resources. And they've channeled them in, the exact right places it seems you know i like you just talked about we're we're months away from a stable coin with mimble wimble and smart contracts and nfts on a <laughs> a chain that's been running flawlessly for 10 years across the entire world at a fraction of the cost of anybody else that's out there doing it and it just tells me that they've continually put their resources and their efforts in the proper direction and they're not being distracted by things that don't ultimately matter and that don't ultimately bring value to either holders of Litecoin or just the world in general. And so I think it's just, uh, it just speaks to what you guys are doing and I don't know, it's just a compliment to the, to the foundation. And, and I think why I continue to always believe in Litecoin is Charlie's a big part of it. I see, I think anybody that listens to him talk understands he's not, it's, he's not a short term guy. He's not trying to hype you up. He's not trying to get you to do something that's unreasonable. He's trying to, uh, he's trying to solve some sort of problem out there. He's an interesting guy. That's why I wanted to bring him on the show. <laughs> hey, but if, uh, if Charlie talks about synthetic wombs, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I 100% agree. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even acknowledge that. That that that's just I mean... right. I mean, that dude t- today. That's it's such a. I mean, it's it's a vit- vitalic thing to say. He's a robot. The guy's a robot. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> uh, he's like the first AI. <laughs> That's a great one, Master. All right, two people have their hands up. Uh, I'm going to let uh, Henry go first, and then two for you've talked about. So, Henry, why don't you go ahead? What's up, man? Yeah, I just have a, a hypothetical question about the whole future of Litecoin and uh, what happens when, like, all the 84 million of the coins are mined and created and then they're all bought up, you know? Will the will the Litecoin itself break, or uh, what happens to the future of it? You know, just thinking like long term. Um, no, it, it, it goes on. So yeah, the, it, it's it's kind of a it's kind of an interesting factor. I mean, first of all, if you look at the the way that it halves every four years, it becomes more and more difficult to mine. So it's going to be, you know, like twenty one. 46 before all the Litecoin are mined. So it's nothing we'll have to contemplate in our lifetime. 
Um, but the same factor happens to Bitcoin as well. And if you, you kind of look at how it's, how the, the reward is structured after that, um, it's still there. It's just built in a different way. And I haven't talked about this in a long time, so I can't, I don't want to just make it up, but there is definitely a, a reward incentive that changes um, once mining becomes more difficult. I think it, it I think it kind of has to transition and happen way before the last coins are, are mined. Yeah, I mean, this, this game, this, if you guys want to just, if you're new to us, uh, why Litecoin and I had, we have a podcast on Apple and Spotify and our first episode, we talk about this a little bit and um, essentially what it boils down to is there's a security, a cost to securing your transactions and the market hopefully will determine the accurate cost. I mean, certainly we have a hundred years, none of us are going to be around when this happens, but over time, hopefully the market will determine what is the fair value of determining the security of transacting value across time and space um, with other people. And there'll be, there'll be a, I mean, essentially a competition, like what some people will choose to use uh, Bitcoin. Some might use Litecoin. Some might use lightning. Um, they could use hard assets. You know, all, all these different things will essentially compete for that transfer of value. And what do you trust? And Litecoin is going to be, you're sacrificing a little bit of, uh, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a larger, there's a calculation that goes on, right? Is it less secure than Bitcoin? Uh, technically I would say, yes, it is, but it's not, it's still infallible. They're both infallible. I think they're both very, very, very secure. So that's a whole, that's a good thought experiment. But if you want to learn more about it, go back and listen to that first episode. Uh, Tufer, what do you got, man? Well, yeah, I mean, if if you could have a situation where maybe you were um, wanting to, like, say you had the USDC or some stable coin, um, you know, with the MWeb functionality, maybe you uh, acquired Litecoin. And then, if you know, once you had your Litecoin, uh, maybe you want to peg in or peg out to MWeb Litecoin, or maybe you want to peg in or peg out to the dollar equivalent of your uh, USDC MWeb coin, uh, which would, you know, try to drive that transaction value, you know, to get those transactions. As the guy was asking about the, um, you know, what happens when the coins get mined. Well, you know, you need to, you need to have that block space, you know, um, represent some value where, where people have an incentive to want to get on that space. I mean, you know, like Ethereum's just gotten ridiculous because, you know, so many people are, you know, doing things with that EVM. Um, and they, you know, it's been a, it's kind of been a bit of a curse for them because now they're behind the curve with their scaling and it's causing all kinds of problems. But anyway, I was, uh, my, my main thing was uh, back to the, like the funding and the fundraising, um, I was just curious if there, because there was something I read the other day about uh, Bitcoin. There was some mechanism where I think there was a 501c3 uh, or something where uh, people were able to donate 
uh, tax deductible charitable contributions and somehow some of that would get routed into some uh, uh, funding for Bitcoin development. And I'm just wondering with, you know, MWeb uh, intimately or, uh, you know, near completion from Litecoin, if there may be some organizations, you know, that that kind of um, that hold that privacy kind of thing in high regard uh, that, that may be, you know, tax charitable uh, con uh, organizations if there may might be some way to create some kind of mechanism where people could get a tax deduction for donating to you know some way to funnel that into Litecoin development. So anyway, that's it. Yeah, Jay, you guys are not in the U.S., um, but yeah, could could there could be a U.S. five hundred one three C arm of the Litecoin Foundation? Sure. I I do think the huge that would be a uh, personally. I think I mean. Why not, right? If I'm already, particularly in these uh, volatile markets, if people have a massive gain and they can offset some of that by contributing to the foundation, uh, that it just seems like it, it needs to happen, right? So, I yep. mean, maybe I could create a Litecoin Underground 513C and then all proceeds that come to me go to the foundation in some weird way. <laughs> I don't know. But, sure. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. But, you know, I want to step back and talk about what happens long, long term, right? Once these rewards uh, crap out, uh, it, it is interesting because you start thinking about essentially what you're what we have is limited. The limited resource we have is block block space, whether it's on Bitcoin, Litecoin, Dogecoin. Um, that is the scarce asset is confirmed transactions on the blockchain so everything is about how do you maximize the utility of that block space how do you make the most value for the least amount of block space and mweb is a massive development on top of uh litecoin not not strictly for the privacy feature if some of you guys are new to understanding mweb it is an extension block uh, two to four megabytes, my understanding, of added block space. Uh, it's almost flexible based on how many people are using MWeb, but that is a, another huge benefit to uh, Nimblewimble because you also are obscuring some of the data inside of your transactions. So essentially you're getting, again, more utility out of the block space. So much larger amounts of transactions for the amount of block space uh, at a fraction of the cost of what any other chain's going to do. So that's kind of one of these hidden benefits of Mimblewimble is not only the privacy, but it's the extension block feature of it. All right. So I uh, we never got into... Big Chief, you wanted to talk about NFTs a while ago. It's been about an hour since we talked about them. Do you? Did you? What did you want to talk about? What did you want to ask about that? Or were you just want to reference well, what you said earlier? Yeah, kind of just what I said earlier. I mean, it would be nice if we could get a some kind of uh, plugin where we could um, upload. It would be cool if we could like upload any type of file onto the blockchain. Right now, I'm gonna pay a. Um, 
1.3 Litecoin to upload this JPEG. Like that's how much the transaction fees are going to be. Uh, well, so yeah. Well, how most how most NFTs work, from my understanding, is the actual um, smart contract or whatever it is that's on the blockchain is just the address that points towards the image somewhere. Yeah, on a URL. And there's a lot of the um, people here are a lot of people in, on the Omni space have been creating um, the uh, um, interplanetary file system NFTs. And I, I created, I've created two of the NFTs, the interplanetary file system NFTs. In fact, my um, background or my PFP is a Litecoin NFT. But if, um, if, if I shut down my node on that interplanetary file system after a certain, after a certain amount of time, that, um, that image file is no longer available from that, uh, on that URL, the URL break, uh, and then also with it with an extra with any um, like third party file serving uh, any um, servers, uh, image service provider, or whatever they could go 404 at any time, and then the the data that's um, that's stored there could be corrupt or gone in any, in any second. But if we actually store the data as a uh, base 64 uh, file or like a series of NFTs on the blockchain where it's, where it's um, decoded into base 64 or encoded into, I'm sorry, encoded into base 64, and then it could be automatically decoded out of um, base 64 back into whatever the uh, native file format was that was originally encoded. If we could get some people working on that, that would be awesome. I think that would be, I don't know if it's just going to clog up this, the system, but I feel like it's an eventuality regardless. Like somebody's going to figure out, um, I mean, whether it's, I, whether I have to teach myself Python or not, but I just think that would be a pretty cool thing if we could just literally send files over the, like, I mean, it will cost a certain amount of money, obviously, in in, um, in transaction fees, but you could literally save any any file onto the blockchain. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's if if it's valuable enough to you to do it, right? If it's if it's important enough, like this guy, like uh, Master was saying, people are putting Bible verses on there. If it's a message that you feel is valuable enough, then you'll pay for it, right? Or like even uh, videos. Um, I think books. I really think that if we could upload books, uh, PDFs of books onto the blockchain, that would be the most liberating thing we could do. With what, what's the shortcoming of the IPFS that you? What's your concern about that? Because so, we actually talked about this a few times in the last. So few you weeks have to. And, Yep, go ahead. You have to keep it running on your computer in order for the for the files to stay to persist on the network. Unless you pay, you can pay for a third party pinning system. Uh, you can pay for a third party pinning service, and they'll pin your file to the IPS network. But I imagine if you're going to pay for a third party pinning system uh, service, it's going to be a monthly fee. So that means you're going to have to, if you're going to do it that way, then it's just going to turn into another open sea where it's. 
uh, well, we have to pay these monthly fees, so we're going to have to keep selling NFTs. So it's been this constant creation, creation, creation of a bunch of, of worthless uh, stuff. But if we could actually store the data natively on the blockchain itself, then um, then I think that's more valuable. There forever, yeah. I mean, the, for, yeah, from my understanding, the IPFS is almost... Um... And that's what Filecoin is, right? It's some, it's an incentivized, an incentive structure to um, lend out you know, space in an IPFS. But you, your your personal computer doesn't need to store that info, from my understanding. It can, it's stored in fragments across various hard drives, right? Right, but you have to pin it, and 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 in order to pin it, you have to keep the node running on your computer. Like I have IPFS running on my laptop in order for to keep those files onto the IPFS system. They're pinned on my node, but they're distributed throughout the, the network. Um, so if your node goes down, anything you've uploaded is gone? After a certain amount of time, yes. Okay. Interesting. Because it, they go through a, a cleaning, a, a cleanup on, um, occasionally, and and, and they go through all the whole file system, and, and, and files that haven't been used are are just cleaned up. And then, yeah, I, I wouldn't underestimate um, the willingness of people to support resources that are important to them. Like right. you just right. So if it is five bucks a month for you to keep a, I don't know. Let's take a banned book, 1984. You want to keep it up on uh, on IPFS. You know, you're one of many. And if that message is important, it's going to find it. It'll find a home, right? But if I could pay a one-time fee of, like, say, uh, $400 worth of transaction fees to have it encoded in Base64 and then uploaded, or even just in plain text. Um, right. But like, and then, and then read it like, like you're saying, like that can, like someone can go in and one click and pull it off, right? Anyone, can, not in yeah. these fragmented blocks. Yeah, I, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I love, that's good thought, man. It well, and that's the thing. It's and that's that's what a that's what ultimately a free market is. What's supposed to come about? That someone so it would be like this a, is important enough for me, and and I'm gonna pay the fee to do it because it matters to me. It'd be that's like not, a user user interface built on top of uh, Omni and then you could just like um, what I'm imagining is like a user interface built on top of Omni where you can just drag in a file, click uh, create and then it will automatically create the whole series of NFTs um, and store that file within the data string of the NFTs and then at the same time you could view files that are stored on the blockchain. Uh, fuck, this is bad. No. I don't know. I like it. I, I don't know if it's good. I hear exactly what you're saying. I hear it. I don't know if anybody else hears it, but you and I, I I'm, I'm getting what you're saying completely. <laughs> yeah, but I just That's... thought about my dick pic that I said I was uploading earlier, <laughs> and then it starts... <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Okay. So there's some. There's somebody. Somebody's got to be the first one to put it on Omni Light. Maybe it's you. (laughs) (laughs) 
that NFT I'm not going to pay for, but it's what well, it is. well, since it's on an open ledger, you'll be able to look at it without paying. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! Free market, the free market, man. Everything devolved. Everything devolves to this. That's the sad part. Right? Right. All the chains devolved to four twenty sixty nine. So, oh my. All right. Has anybody else got something to talk about this week? I, you know, I did say, um, I keep saying I, I need a news person. Al left. Um, I have some articles I was going to pull up if I should. Let me, as I figure out how to access saved articles. Anybody got like an important crypto topic they want to bring up this week that um, maybe, you know, is interesting to them? Say it now or forever hold your peace, because I, I saved a couple things. Hang on a second. Well, okay, first of all, we could talk about on-chain volume, uh, which David Schwartz keeps bringing up every week. Um, I know why Litecoin, you had said, you had some input on this, is why you feel it's distorted, and I can't feel like, I have to feel like something weird is going on. Because value transferred, according to Glassnode, in the last seven days, is over $205 billion. That's almost hard to even fathom. So the market cap of Litecoin is somewhere around $10 billion, which means in seven days, 20 times the market cap has been transferred on-chain. According to Glassnode, maybe there's a distortion of statistics. Maybe something uh, I don't understand is going on, but that's a pretty insane number. Uh, Tufer, you have something to say about it? No, I was just, well, you were uh, talking about the, um, any news, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's the thing with having a totally decentralized platform, especially when it comes to media. I mean, it's just only a matter of time, probably won't be very long until, you know, uh, some pretty nasty stuff has been being put on there. So I don't, I mean, that's just like, I still don't think we've really seen the, the whole, then they fight you that hasn't really happened yet. So, uh, but, uh, on that note, uh, there is a, who's the financial traditional financial guy out of, I think Sweden or somewhere who's, trying to launch uh, yet another uh, environmental uh, awareness attack on proof-of-work mining. Um, I mean, there's. I think probably what's going to happen in the whole discovery process with this is it's just going to, you know, be revealed more of the advantages of uh, what Bitcoin mining does provide to grid, backup power, uh, you know, stranded power and all those kind of things. But they, they're certainly going to try to come after it. It looks like that's going to be their angle. I mean, any thoughts on how you think, see that playing out? Um, I'm someone who probably uh, thinks that the powers that be, actually that was something I brought up about price. I had this whole thing written out today. I sat down and jotted ideas. And um, one thing I said is the in this writing I just made today, the current keepers of the rules do not want to see change without their involvement. It's extremely scary for governments, banks, investment houses, insurance companies, tax collectors, mortgage 
brokers, agents, politicians, etc., etc. Crypto is a huge threat to them. And so I don't think there's any attack vector that we can't consider. Um, yeah, the environment's an easy one. And uh, right now that's like hot topic. My kids come home from school. They talk about it all the time. They're very aware of the polar caps melting. And, you know, that's what's taught in schools. And so that's an easy attack vector. But that's interesting what you said about the idea of essentially an attack on the blockchain to say, look at these images that are on the Litecoin blockchain, right? Look at what kind of awful messages are being spread by Litecoiners and Bitcoiners because they can just oh. put it on the blockchain. Anybody can do it for a fraction of the cost, right? Right, whatever. Yeah, and it'll be false flags from, from yeah. the word go. Uh, be, I mean, it just will. Yeah, and, um, you know, on top of all those you know, primarily invested entities like banks and politicians and whatever else. Almost all major industries right now are 100% reliant on fiat money and on the fiat money system. Healthcare being the obvious one right now. Um, automotive is getting that way. Most manufacturing and food production is very reliant on fiat money. And so... Like you said, they're they're gonna fight you. I don't think we've even come to the fight stage at all. You see, you you piqued my uh, conspiratorial <laughs> interests. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not. I don't even think we're anywhere close to where um, the negative news is coming. And I I shared a thread last week, but like right after the new year, there was a there were about five or six articles that came out at a very almost the same time from people from like Vogue and uh, Washington Post and the Atlantic. And they were all centered around um, this long history of anti-fiat sentiment um, and how it was tied to white nationalism and uh, anti-government and communism and fascism and all this type of stuff. Like just tying it. I always look at that stuff as like they're just setting the stage. So, uh, Big Chief, you want to come up and say something? Hey, I want to jump right in um, really quick. I, I I have seen news, and in, in this just came out, um, I think it was yesterday, uh, England, Spain, and now Singapore, they all banned crypto ads. And not only ads, but they, uh, in, in the case of Singapore, they started a fight against uh, ATMs, Bitcoin ATMs, because to them, that's a way of advertise, uh, advertising crypto. I think the fight has already begun, but it's silent right now. They are silently fighting us right now. I don't. I don't believe we're in the stage where they are openly um, attacking us. But they. They are. They are attacking us on a daily basis, and and I think after El Salvador adopted adopted Bitcoin, the U.S. has been going after them, like very heavily, with uh, protests. With um, with the uh, these uh, these guys, the uh, credit credit companies, 
lowering their ratings and the England bank, the UK bank attacking them. Um, that's, those are only a few, a few things that I, that I have uh, right now on top of my mind. But I, I think the attacks, the, the actual fight has already begun. It's just silent right now. They don't want you to know that they're fighting you, but they are. And they're definitely doing it. That's why we keep seeing all this bullshit about crypto uh, heating up the planet. And and those are the small hits that they are throwing. They are throwing small punches, but they are throwing them. Yeah, they're laying the groundwork. They're putting out feelers. Like what? What? Yeah. With people, what? What gets a? Um, it's like test marketing, right? What actually matters to people? What seems to hit with people? Where is the lack of trust? And, um, you know, going calling this way back to the very beginning of what I wanted to talk about when I was talking about price. When you're selling people on something that, to me, isn't uh, in the big picture of things, it, it matters. Like, you know, price is why some people come here. But... Um, that distracts from the major, the big picture. That distracts from what we're trying to uh, really do here. What's the real value of what we're trying to propose? And that is um, the ability to have sovereignty, essentially, as a person. So, yeah, I know. I don't know. I don't want to be too super conspiratorial, but uh, Tufer, go ahead, man. You keep raising your hand very politely, and I appreciate that. <laughs> Well, trying to keep things somewhat organized, I guess. It seems pretty pretty mellow in here. But uh, so speaking to El Salvador, does Litecoin have currency status there, or is it just Bitcoin, or is it what is the situation with the the different currencies being used to to pay for things there? Yeah, I mean, as far as legal tender, Bitcoin and U.S. dollar are the only ones down there. Uh, Litecoin's obviously used down there by citizens. If you look at, there's a lot of videos of almost all. Uh, Bitcoin ATMs also have Litecoin on them. And uh, this is this big trip we've been talking about. So uh, John Kim, Charlie Lee, if you don't know who they are, then, well, Charlie Lee, you know who Charlie Lee is, but uh, Alan Austin, who's the president of the Litecoin Foundation, I believe. And then another uh, guy, his tag is at currency holder. He works for Casa app, Casa Hoddle, I believe. They all went down to El Salvador together like 10 days ago. And so there's a lot of speculation about what does that mean? Is it, are they going to also adopt Litecoin? Is it, you know, I don't know. We're, we've all been speculating about it, but uh, it only seems natural. Like I said, about 20 minutes ago. Uh, wherever Bitcoin goes, Litecoin follows because uh, Master said it very well. Master LTC, BTC is not in here, but Litecoin is just Bitcoin on a different algorithm. It really is. It's essentially the exact same thing on a different mining algorithm. All right. Well, yeah, that's, that's something that I hear, you know, a lot of people, well, not so much maybe this year but in, in years past was when you know lightning was uh being implemented was uh you know what 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 will be the point of litecoin with, with lightning you know network on bitcoin and 
course, uh, Litecoin has the Lightning Network too. But something you don't really hear asked much is, you know, of all of, of the Bitcoin whales, you know, uh, how many of them keep the majority of their Bitcoin on the Lightning Network? Um, and so, you know, you what you alluded to earlier was it's just, you know, there's a finite amount of coins uh, for Litecoin and Bitcoin both. It's a proof of work, um, and you know, it's it's that space on the chain. Um, and you know. This earlier, Indigo just popped in. He had he had left, and now he came back. Indigo is the king of this. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm pumping you up, Indigo. So why don't you come up here? Because this is exactly what he talks about all the time. There's a limited amount of block space, even with Lightning involved. If everybody maxed out Lightning and they maxed out Bitcoin, they maxed out Litecoin, they maxed out Mimble Wimble, um, you're still not gonna have enough on-chain capacity for eight billion people there in this world so all this is a multi-chain world that's what i've been we've been trying to talk about from day one is that uh if we really want to have people with self-sovereignty and the ability to control their own money we can't be competing against each other because you know it's divide and conquer is the uh the mo of the people who are trying to fight against us and so we need to realize that Bitcoin, Litecoin, Doge on Lightning Network and Mimblewimble all together are going to be able to hopefully service the transaction load that's needed for the world. See, I bring you up Indigo, but I just did your rant, didn't I? Yeah, I don't know what to say anymore. <laughs> well, you've trained me well. You've trained me well. <laughs> But yeah, I think that's um, yeah. I don't know what else to say about it. I guess I just feel like it's um, it's a more important fight. I'm glad somebody brought it up uh, that the fight is hasn't been brought to us yet. And Taryn talks about this a lot. You know that markets are volatile; they're emotional, and they they. Um, the powers that be, when times are bad, want to make you afraid of everything. They want to make you feel like, um, gosh, see, now I feel conspiratorial. When I say the word they, whenever I use the word they, I feel like I'm being a conspiracy theorist. But the reality, when I say they, what I mean is the powers that be, the people who are currently in control of the money system, currently in control of governments and the media. Um, they want to make you fearful. So that you let go of your coins, that you let go of the things that allow you to be sovereign. And it it's more important to stick to your coins than it is to worry about the the price on a market on a short-term temporary basis, right? You may have a certain part of your stack that you say, this is my profit stack. But you need to absolutely have at least 50% of your stack that is in cold storage and is going with you and being given to your kids or you're going to hold to it for 20, 30 years. Don't easily part ways with at least 50% of your stack. Go ahead, Tufer. Well, yeah, and and say you know people are going to use uh, Lightning Network on Bitcoin as a as a checking account, or they get paid uh, 
in on the Lightning Network. They pay their bills with the Lightning Network. But let's say, well, once a month, you're going to put some money into savings, which let's say that's going to be, you know, the Bitcoin main chain. How many people a month would be able to put, you know, their allotted amount of savings onto the main chain? Yeah, so, the, so each block, uh, you know, this is a very optimistic number, is 5,000 transactions per block, let's say. It's actually less than that. Well, let's just say it's five and be optimistic. Uh, so there's um, 144 blocks a day, and obviously 365, uh, you know, days in a year. So you multiply that out. Actually, I forgot what the number is. 5,000 times 144 times 365. So that's 262.8 million transactions a year. That means 262 million people can do one on-chain transaction a year. So if you were to earn in Lightning, you know, you could do a million transactions a second on Lightning. That's not a limit there. But, you know, obviously storing and keeping your wealth on Lightning, you know, most people, it's a hot wallet. You know, it's not the best idea to keep all your wealth on Lightning. So ideally you settle down to layer one. With Bitcoin only, only 262 million people can do that a year. So it's not that many. That's actually a startling number. <laughs> it's that low, right? And what, what you brought up earlier, you said, um, I, I told Ben Nicholas a while ago, I said, whenever somebody brings up lightning as like, oh, this is the ultimate solution, ask them that exact question. How much of your wealth is on the lightning network? And almost all of them will tell you, well, like almost nothing. Like who's going to genuinely put their money on the Lightning Network over Litecoin? I mean, Dogecoin's better than the Lightning Network by leaps and bounds when you're talking about security. And Litecoin obviously is far better than Dogecoin. So I think that was a, that's a very good question to ask yourself. If somebody else is selling the Lightning Network, how much of their assets are on the Lightning Network? And they're going to tell you less than 10%, I would bet. And now imagine when when the Lightning Network uh, charges you 1000 or 10000 or $100,000 to open up a channel. Who's going to be using the Lightning Network? Either you're in the Lightning Network or you're out so that's that's how i see so there are ways to build up liquidity on the lightning network and you know it's not ideal for everyone but there's solutions for different parties so for example mining pools what they will do when you know the on-chain fee does get very expensive not what they will do but what i think they will do and what it is capable of what they're able to do is batch so, you know, they're a mining pool. What they would do is they essentially do a lightning channel factory where, you know, they do that one on-chain transaction as a pool, and then they put all their wealth onto the lightning network. Uh, that's one possibility to build up liquidity on there. I know that um, Taproot is also another way that allows for some of these more elo eloquent solutions. They're definitely more complicated and not as simple as a single, you know, single on-chain opening channel, you're right there. But, um, you know, even let's say another form of layer two, which would be an exchange. 
or you know, it could be Cash App, for example. You know, they're technically another layer too. And if you keep all your Bitcoin on to these solutions, obviously they're custodial and they're, you know, weight the pros and cons there. But they could also batch a lot of those opening and closing of channels. Uh, so there's definitely solutions out there, and it's definitely Lightning is still in development. Um, you know, I, I the way I see it, we're a multi-chain and a multi-layer ecosystem, and they each have their pros and cons. Uh, you just need to weigh which one you want and how much you're willing to put on each one of those based off of those pros and cons. So I wouldn't completely discount Lightning. Uh, I do I do think it's amazing. I think it's definitely needed. Uh, so that's that's how I see it. Well, I 100% agree with you. I think like Lightning is going to have um, immense utility. And when I earlier we were talking about, you know, what's the future, and the phrasing I wrote down to myself is, you know, maximizing utility and efficient use of block space. And Lightning is a massive part of that. Um, but you know, like you said, it's still it's it's a it's a part of the solution. It's not the end all be all. So yeah, I don't want you know. Lightning's going to have its place, absolutely. And if we imagine if right now just exchanges between each other utilize like Lightning Network, that would massively drop the transaction load on all chains. So and that's a good thing. It's efficient use of block space. Those people aren't, the people moving between exchanges for arbitrage are not incredibly concerned with privacy or self-sovereignty. They're using centralized exchanges, so they're not worried about it. And so they, why pay, why are they paying for transaction space when they don't, they're not, they don't even see the value in it, right? I see it. It's a lining. It's going to go, I mean, uh, I, I agree with Lightning. I mean, it's cool. It's a cool technology and it's useful, but eventually it's going to go towards centralization and companies are going to be the only ones using them because opening up, opening up a channel is going to be costly. It's not going to be uh, for regular people. And, and now that you brought up about the uh, uh, layer two solutions, the best solution I see for the near future is Litecoin having uh, OmniLight in having wrapped Bitcoin, I, I know we already talked about it, but having wrapped Bitcoin on top of Litecoin, to me, that's a very uh, better and more, and more decentralized solution than having Lightning and relying on centralized corporations for us yeah. to open up channels. Maximus, I was, I was in your position, uh, you know, I thought the same thing, and I agree with you, you know, a lot of things you're saying, I still think that what you're saying is still true. Uh, the, there are a couple of developments, though, that I learned about, which would still, yeah, you may not be the one who opens up the channel, but you are able to still have self-custody of the Lightning Network, uh, of your, of, you know, of the liquidity that is on a channel. So my understanding is that there is this new wallet. It's called Breeze, B-R-E-E-Z. And, you know, it's, they essentially do the heavy lifting for you, the management of opening a channel, uh, balancing channels, et cetera, et cetera. But you're still able to secure 
that mining channel and take custody of the liquidity on there. And I also think that there's, I forgot what it's called, but um, it's Blockstream. They've created a similar solution as well, where it's green light, I think is what it's called. Um, green something, Blockstream, Google, Blockstream, green. And essentially it allows for the same thing where you essentially are able to hold your keys to the liquidity on a lightning channel. And so they manage that channel for you uh, and whatnot, but you're still the one technically in control of that Bitcoin that's on there or Litecoin or eventually Dogecoin. Um, so there's definitely, again, uh, Lightning is still very early. You know, there's still a lot of development that needs to be taken, that needs to take place. The UI and UX of it is not user friendly. Not many people are gonna run their own Lightning node or any node. Most people are, most people won't even, to be honest, most people don't even care about custodial, like leaving their wealth on a custodial solution. Most people are still used to that with the bank uh, that they use today. So for, you know, a non-custodial solution is not for everyone because it requires a lot of, you gotta be a really responsible person. You know, if you lose your keys, you lose your money. Uh, and a lot of people are out there who are not that capable. Uh, or they don't have the time and they want to outsource it to a third party, which is fine. Um, so, you know, I was definitely on that bandwagon of, you know, self-custody, and I am personally, you know, but I know I, I, I'm really realizing it's not for everyone and that there are many solutions and many different, um, what would it be? Yeah, different solutions for different people. Yeah, I'm hopeful that, like, yeah, I, I would agree with you that the trust thing and people trusting themselves, essentially, is um, a hurdle. And there will be, like, semi-decentralized ways to handle that. I'm hopeful for that. We'll call them, like, backup, backup protocols where um, I'm actually interested in this unstoppable domains, right? I, I got to get one. Everybody keeps telling me to get one. But if you you can get a Web3 address or a way of storing your passwords in a decentralized way um, and don't have to use some sort of intermediary, that's ultimately the, the problem, right, is trying to remove intermediaries. Tufer, go ahead, man. So, yeah, someone earlier was uh, a, kind of a, a common question. Well, I don't know if it's so much these days, but it has been. I, I think I started playing around mining Litecoin. I think it was 2013. Um, and, I, you know, that was a, a thing that you would see a lot of from people that were new or learning about the no-coiners, I guess, if you will. Uh, would, would That would be their primary question. Would They would be wanting to know, you know, how are you going to sustain the uh, incentive, the mining incentive when all the coins are mined? You know, and even though it's uh, the reduction, the having, you know, uh, every so many blocks or every so many years uh, goes pretty far out into time, uh, eventually that day will come. But and so, you know, with with regards to that, with the um, one of the things about, you know, the Litecoin, um, the, the transactions on it, the block times on it is, I think, uh, theoretically, you know, if that day ever comes where I mean, you you could have about you could have half the the transaction fees on on litecoin 
and still generate more transaction revenue than what Bitcoin could do. Yeah, I mean, all things being equal. Um, I think that's, that's, I'm surprised there haven't been more chains that have popped up that have been truly decentralized. Like now pre-mine. Since like, I mean, Litecoin, I think um, you guys can help me. Help me. Who else hasn't been pre-mined? Are you Monero people going to tell me Monero? Is that no pre-mine? Just give me a 100. <laughs> uh, I don't think Vertcoin's been pre-mined. I don't think Digibyte was pre-mined. Um, yeah, so fair chains are going to be the scarce asset. Right? I don't know. I'm getting no response from people. Well, you, you would think, but I, it's, you know, with every, you know, new uh, cycle that comes through, I, I don't know. I, it's, it's hard to meet for me to really, the way people value things uh, seems to kind of have changed maybe over the years. A little bit to I'm I'm not really sure <laughs> I'm a little I'm a little lost when it when it comes to the the valuations on some of this newer stuff but no, um, no that's actually I'm glad you said that so what you're what I think you're saying and I 100 percent agree with is that um, valuing things in dollars is very difficult because dollars have become this like um, thing that no one really values. Right, if the government gives you six hundred dollars a month because you have two kids, just randomly sends you a check for six hundred dollars, doesn't mean anything to you, right? It's just it's disposable money, so you can do whatever you want with it, and um, there's no real value to it. And so I think there has been a, you know, fiat money. We can all talk about well, fiat money's always been this game, this distortion of value. It's free money it's there's no root in real value but that has been like pre-2001 i don't think fiat was that awful they didn't abuse the power quite like they have in the last 20 years and so we're in this in a very short time period all fiat monies of the world have been very distorted and I, I think we're all trying to struggle with what does that even mean? That the money I earn every day doesn't really mean anything when um, a government can just print $6 trillion. Like that's, a, that's an insane amount of money. You can't even calculate $6 trillion. Take, just look at your lifetime. You're, you might live 80 years and divide it Divide every single day by six, you know, take six trillion, divide it by 80 times 365. And it's going to be a number that you couldn't even fathom how much money you would have to spend on a daily basis. Or take the entire population of the United States, right, which is roughly 330 million. I'm going to do it right now for you guys just to, <laughs> just to prove a point. So uh, $6 trillion. Divided by 330 million is uh, $18,000 per person. Just out of nothing. It's made out of nothing. It's not like this isn't a 
I don't know how to state it in any other way. Somebody literally just punched in a computer program and hit enter. $18,000 per person. And only a select group of people actually got that money. Everybody else pays the price. When they go to work every day, the value they create, they're the ones actually creating that value. And this money's just been funneled for years to these, to whoever, these powers that be that I was talking about earlier, right? They're the, the, keeper, the keepers of the rules today, the governments, the banks, the investment houses, insurance companies, tax collectors, it goes to school systems, education, all these different groups just are given money for doing nothing. Like literally that's a, doing nothing. It's so it's that's so, a cantil, cantillon effect. Yeah, that's what right. it's called. It, yeah, exactly. hundred percent. And, and you, you are anybody who's in the US is step one of that cantillon effect. We get we get the first bite at that apple. Anybody who's in the first in the top twenty percent of that, and myself included, I have a mortgage on a house. I have a I borrowed a bunch of money against uh, as a um, equity loan to buy crypto, to buy Litecoin. I'm getting a huge benefit. I get to take that money before anybody else touches it and borrow it at 2%. And the rest of the world has to pay the price for it because the U.S. dollar is the uh, currency of the world apparently, right? So everybody else is working off derivatives of what I, as a lucky person, get to have. And so I don't think we have felt that pain yet. Because they keep kicking the can down the road. And uh, why Litecoin's not in here anymore. But he, earlier today, he was talking about, um, in a thread, he was talking about inflation. And we've just barely felt inflation. This, there's a mass of money that hasn't even entered the markets yet. People are just putting it into savings. Or they're putting it into buying a car. Or they're putting it into buying some sort of hard asset that they haven't actually infused the money into the real economy yet. And so I, I just think that we're in a very weird paradigm ever since I think George W. Bush was the first one that the freaking, the horse left the barn or whatever you want to call it, right? The, well, or Nixon maybe with uh, with the yeah, seventy one. But even so, uh, if you if you go look at like uh, you know, I mean, I don't, I'm not picking parties here. I don't care. But even uh, Clinton was balancing the budget. Our deficit was very small, and our debt was extremely manageable up until two thousand and one. And after that, after the Iraq War, the Afghanistan War started. We went from I think we surpassed a trillion dollars in two thousand one, and now we're at like twenty eight trillion. This is the U.S. global the the fiat system. I mean, the like every country pretty much does that, as far as I know. And you you almost have this kind of game theory when it comes to the deficit spending. That's like the the first countries that don't deficit spend are almost going to be at a disadvantage as strange as that sounds but one of the things about the you know the sound store of value that bitcoin represents that's a little disappointing and then i guess you know not to uh, you know berate the newer projects cuz i think compared to some of the older altcoins 
um, you know, they, they, they do bring a lot of innovation and a lot of utility, a lot of functionality, but there there is a trade-off, you know, they're more centralized, there's a lot of VC funding, um, a lot of pre-mines and that, and that kind of a thing. But, you know, part of that that kind of bothers me a little bit is just the, the biggest, pro you know, what I thought one of the biggest promises of Bitcoin was is to, you know, uh, in some way teach people um, about what, what a sound store of value is. And I just, I, I feel like maybe that's getting eroded a little bit, but, uh, you know, who knows? That's why you're here, man. Because you've gone to the Bitcoin spaces and you've listened to them and you go, what is going on? Right? Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's, uh, there's, you know, the innovation is, it's, it's exciting. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not really, uh, I'm fairly risk averse when it comes to a lot of those newer projects. You know, it's just, you're just kind of waiting to, you know, which one's going to shut down and get reset or blow up or get rug pulled next. And it's like, you know, really, well, it's uh, all, I'm not. It's all, like you said, it's, it's all rooted in the fiat system. It's all rooted in people that have limitless funds and they can just fabricate money, <laughs> take it and create whatever they want. They can plant God, man, see, this is going to get me right on this road again. They can put articles and papers or whatever on websites. They can create bots. They can market. They can do whatever they want. They have billions of dollars at their disposable, at their disposal. And the reason that Litecoin doesn't get the, the credit it deserves is because it doesn't have fiat money behind it. It's an actual legit chain. It's a decentralized chain yeah well i mean there's there's a lot of challenges though and then you know in some of that uh i wish it weren't this way but unfortunately it is you know and it and currency status is a, is a huge thing i mean it, uh, for you know i mean i would i wish it weren't that way but uh, you know it's we can say that litecoin's money but as much as i hate to say it you know until the governments start to say that it's money i mean you're you're going to take a hit whenever you more than likely depending on your cost basis or whatever but you're going to take a hit whenever you do you know buy something with it um and i just um i, I don't know maybe hopefully that day will will come but uh I, it just feels like we've, we've got a long way to go but in the interim i you know if it is let's say today as today uh it's considered you know digital property or a digital asset um you know one of these things and that people want to do with or expect from their their assets or investments is you know they want especially in the current you know interest rate and bond market environment uh people want yields and um you know i just uh we'll, we'll see what you know uh litecoin can um come up with here in the in the near future but uh i think that's a that's a powerful factor with regards to uh, a lot of the you know kind of price appreciation of some of these other projects is there you know whether or not those yields are sustainable or going to be worth anything in the long run is is a is another matter entirely possibly but uh, they do present those opportunities so that's and you know i'm kind of so i don't know let me ask you this if, if uh, litecoin decided to inflate its supply every year by five percent and gave coin holders five percent or just added it to your wallet is that really are you really gaining anything oh no no absolutely not the fixed the fixed amount is that's that's one of the best the fundamentals are second to one maybe second to none uh depending on how you look at it with with litecoin and and the fixed uh hard fixed amount is one of those things i'm, I'm kind of referring more to 
the decentralized exchanges, the liquidity provider uh, options for people to go out and, and you know uh, try to earn some for yield and sure. return. Yeah, yeah, no, no, so no, those, those tools stuff? are available. Well, real quick, those tools are, tools are available to you as a Litecoiner. If you want to stake your Litecoin somewhere and take some risk, you can certainly earn some yield. Uh, are you what? What else are you referring to? Well, yeah, I've I've done some of that. I've done some of the CFI stuff, and I've done some of the DeFi stuff. And I guess, you know, I mean, some you never really know. I mean, which 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 of these protocols, like how many of them have an admin key, or you know, which which ones are truly decentralized? Well, which ones have the most liquidity? And so, where where's where's my least amount of counterparty risk? I'm not necessarily after the highest yield. Uh, maybe it's you know a combination of things, and it's just, um, so I mean, you, you I, I risk you know, the yield is what you're saying. Well, no, it's it, there is a risk reward, you know, scale. I mean, I understand how that how that works. That you know, that's that's been around for probably quite a while. But um, I, I like the idea of of having these autonomous, you know, um, true tried and tested uh, protocols. I, I would rather trust an algorithm than a person. <laughs> no, hundred percent. Well, I, I, I've used ThorChain a little bit. I'm using it at arm's length right now. Um, I know Johnny Litecoin, who's not in here right now, he talks about WanChain a lot. These are all, you know, I would say do your own research on these. Um, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for some of them. I do hope we have a decentralized system to earn yield. Cake Wallet's been in here. Cake Wallet's talking about incorporating ThorChain. And you can stake inside a non-custodial wallet and earn yield on your Litecoin. Go ahead, Indigo. Sorry. I'm still. I don't know exactly how that works. Uh, where are you mentioning how ThorChain within a decentralized wallet? Because have you, have you used ThorChain at all? No, but I've used BlockFi, and I actually do use BlockFi. And you know the way you do it, it right is to be able to get. Well, if you want a loan. For example, you need to uh, you need to give them your crypto, and they need to essentially lock it away from you, so that you know they mark it to value, and if the price of the value drops below a certain point, they take it from you, right? So, yep. but on being on the other end of that, where you essentially stake your Bitcoin, Litecoin, in there to earn yield, there's still a counterparty risk of that exchange, for example. Uh, how are they managing it? Who are they loaning it out to? Um, you know, and are they, they, you know, just the risks associated with that. And for what percentage are you gaining? You know, for me, so, the so risk of it is a little too high compared to what Bitcoin and Litecoin does year over year on annual itself. So, yeah, you can maybe a, couple a little bit more. There's a couple different tools you're talking about. So, um, I think like Ave is one that does where you will actually you're loaning your coins out, right? Um, like you're talking about. I I put down, let's just say I put ten thousand dollars of um, Litecoin down, and what's happening is somebody's borrowing that, and they're tying into a smart contract that uh, they're going to pay one percent interest every month. And if the value of the coins, what they, what they have to do, they have to stake a certain amount of dollars in order to get this loan, right? So they're, they're putting up some collateral 
It's not just a free loan. It's not like a credit. There's no credit involved. There's actual collateral involved. And so if, uh, let's say they put up $5,000 to get the $10,000, if the value, oh man, see now I got all tripped up. But essentially what happens if if the value triggers below a certain amount, you're going to, you as the Litecoin holder, get your Litecoin back. Um, or the val or the U.S. dollar value of that coin at the time. Um, what happens on Thorchain is you're pro- providing liquidity for trades. So um, if the the cross chain decks. So there's transaction fees involved on Thorchain, right? And you essentially are facilitating trades, and you're just providing liquidity. Just like you would for Lightning Network. You're providing liquidity for people to use. So when they want to trade Bitcoin to Litecoin or they want to trade US Binance dollar to Litecoin, you're providing liquidity and you collect a small transaction fee for that liquidity. I think I remember maybe looking into Thorchain or reading about it a little bit and considering that. And it seems like, I don't know if I'm remembering correctly, but there was... There was some kind of a security problem or a breach or something happened with it, and I was like, "Oh God!" Yeah. Well, yeah, they had a couple. It's. Of I mean, it's. You know. I mean, it's not going to be easy. I. I agree, though. I mean, maybe they've. You know. I mean, heck, the. You know, even you know, Ethereum had their. Uh, what was it? The Dow. Um. So you know, those things will happen. Risk reward. Um. But maybe, maybe, uh, maybe it's time for me to take a closer look at Thorchain again. Well, I, and that what Indigo said though, he's right. Tread very carefully. Right there's there's a lot there's risk there. It's an uncertain thing, but I look at it as a learning, a way to learn about this stuff. If you want to put in five hundred bucks or whatever, see how it works. It's an incentive to learn about this stuff. But I do think it's the future, and it's a tool we need. The issue also with like. Thorchain or any other decentralized exchange that offers this type of instrument is you got to be able to to audit what they're doing. You have to know how to read the code and it has to be open source. Usually what I rely on because I don't have the time for that is, you know, the chains that have been around for so long. And I know that there's been hundreds of people who've combed through that code because that's, that's thousands upon thousands of lines of code. So to be able to audit it is very difficult. One time, you're right. Time is a, a good measure. If they've been around, they've been running, that's a good measure of a successful project. Yeah, and, and I think the other thing that I like about uh, some of these chains is, is, is the incentive structure is right. Just like with mining, um, there's not an incentive to destroy the protocol you're supporting. And I think that's something to look at the, the nodes that run on different chains or different DeFi, whoever's running them, if they're profiting from successful function of the chain, that's, that's important. Because they have no interest in the in something going wrong, they have a steady, steady stream of income. They don't want to mess it up. So as long as the incentive structures are right, that's important. 
All right. It's 12-12. It's probably about time to end things. <laughs> I always give tucks. Tucks can always come up because it's Australia time. So I'll give you one time. And sometimes this turns into a three-hour conversation. But do you have anything new to add this week, Tux, from Australia? I know he's going to come and talk because he always talks. No, maybe not. All right, he must be not interested this week. All right, has anybody else got anything they want to bring up? I can end it here. I'm happy. I thought this was a great conversation. You guys brought up a lot of t- a ton of stuff uh, about mining and and I really thought we I enjoyed this one. But uh, all right, Tux finally is connecting. Before you start talking, Tux, I'm gonna say, oh boy, okay, never mind. Everybody's coming up now. But uh, you guys are leading the world for the first time in the history of the world. Uh, Australia is like number one new cases of coronavirus. Yo, can I say one thing really quick, you guys? How's it going? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Oh, so ramps. I like, I like the name, by the way. <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Hell yeah, this is awesome. I've never spoken in a space before. Uh, so, well, hold on, a, hold on a second. You just opened your account, January twenty twenty two. You have zero followers. Okay, okay. <laughs> is that what it says? Is that what it says? <laughs> People have been following me. Like, I don't know why it says that. And Twitter just banned me man for saying something about the coronavirus and like i don't it wouldn't tell me what it was that the infraction was i was just like oh, okay and then it gave me a hard time trying to set up a new account so sorry yeah i know it looks like that um but uh can you still hear me yeah, yeah we're cool listening. cool uh, i was just wondering like what 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 is the catalyst that makes right like uh, the litecoin bitcoin pairing pull like a dogecoin type move of last year what do you guys think would be or maybe maybe you already talked about that but just curious what it what it would be what would draw so much money into litecoin um uh in an inverse relationship to bitcoin in such a way yeah that's my question or comment right now yeah you know um this this goes back. If you you probably just got here, the first half hour I I did just now. You talked about yeah yeah. I talked a lot about. I just, I don't like to talk about the U.S. dollar price. It just makes me nuts. Um, but as far as ratio is concerned, you know my hope is that if this is a rubber band and um, everything's getting stretched and just getting pushed down and down and down to this ratio level. I mean, everybody's expecting this, like, snap, and we're going to explode, and whatever these charts are that prove out. Um, I don't know. I hope we just have a nice gradual climb. I think that Litecoin is absolutely worth 0.25 Bitcoin, and time will bear that out. And if it comes in huge leaps and bounds, that's... That's great, but I don't I don't think that that's a healthy way for us to grow back. You know, we're we're going to slowly gain ratio because people who use Bitcoin and use Litecoin side by side will come to see the truth. They will come to see that Litecoin is 
I love how Master LTCBTC put it, that it's just Bitcoin on a different mining algorithm. It's the exact same protocol. There's almost no difference in the two of them. And so when you use them, you'll see Litecoin's faster, it's cheap to use, it's 100% secure, and they'll go, why am I so... Everyone will. Everyone who uses it, I'm telling you, they see the truth. They go, okay, Litecoin is very much on par with Bitcoin, uh, if not better in a lot of aspects. And so, so true. And I don't know. I don't know that. You know, will there be a massive explosion because it's a market? It's a market, man. Markets are emotional, and I can't predict that stuff in any way. Um, but I there's. I don't see any logical reason why Litecoin will not be a 100% valid way of exchanging value between people across the world for the next 100 years. There's nothing to stop it, just like there's nothing to stop Bitcoin. I just keep accumulating, uh, so don't uh, scam me, me, bro. Trust oh, me, I'm, I'm on the same page yet. I'm all about I, it. There, and that, that's the thing that you need to understand. First of all, I'm just a guy. I'm not. I don't run Litecoin. I have nothing to do. I don't do anything with. It. I I own it. I love it. I think it's a great chain. And every week we do these. Um, it's no scam to it. It's all out in the open. Oh, totally. I'm talking about just like talking about this to people in general out loud. Uh, I've been doing like I've been investing in Litecoin for like I don't know. Oh wow. Oh, wow. I'm not going to say when, but uh, probably longer than a lot of folks. Uh, so, I mean, it's like, yeah, I, I get I get the fundamentals um, of it. That's why I'm so I have a lot of conviction in the trade. I'm just looking at like the sort of technical, the Bitcoin Litecoin ratio chart. And it looks like it looks like it's ready to go uh, up really hard. I mean, it's just been in this descending accumulation for like well i mean is it accumulation i don't even know it's mind-blowing I, I it it's her. going to be mind-blowing <laughs> no but it blows my mind that somebody <laughs> would not look at litecoin and go it's worth one one hundredth of a bitcoin it's i mean the value proposition is it's just bizarre the ratio just blows me away I don't even see how a rational investor wouldn't say, I'll put at least 10% to Litecoin, 90% to Bitcoin. If you believe in the whole scarce asset thing, right? I'm, I'm interested in scare, verifiably scarce assets that are secure. Right there. It's a four to one ratio. There's no difference in them. Other, if you're looking at pure scarcity, it's a four to one ratio. And we're at 300 and whatever to one right now. It makes no logical sense uh, at all. Tufer, go ahead. You're raising your hand. Well, I don't know how much it has to do with the uh, Bitcoin-Litecoin ratio, but I would uh, hazard a guess that there's probably more than a few Bitcoin OGs that uh, probably mined some Litecoin back in the GPU days. Um, so it's you know not without uh, its peers. It's I mean, and I don't know if that ever really reflects when you get down to that. What is it? That magic ratio? You get to 0.002, or we dropped below that now. I'm not. I'm not really sure. No, we're, yeah, we're like at 
whatever, 003 something, but yeah, it's all, it's all, you guys, it's all temporary. It's all good. These are all temporary, short-term market manifestations. There are people all over the world who are transacting in crypto. Uh, there was an article I didn't, I could, if I was going to be uh, the newsman of Litecoin, like I said, um, there was an article about BitPay. And it said that, uh, you know, Bitcoin transaction volume is going down on BitPay and it's being replaced by these other chains. I don't know if you guys saw this article. And in the headline, they cite Ethereum, Doge, Shiba Inu, and Litecoin. Um, and in the article, they just talk about these different chains and what's happening. They don't actually show a representation of what's happening on BitPay. BitPay, the top three chains are Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Bitcoin Cash. And they those three add up to like 80-some percent of the volume. So in the article, they didn't even mention Bitcoin Cash. So Litecoin and Bitcoin Cash are out there. People are actually using these chains. By the way, I don't own any Bitcoin Cash at all. I don't. But the people who want to use this stuff in parts of the world that need secure transfer of value, they're using Litecoin and Bitcoin Cash. And probably Dash is another one. I don't, I don't know much about Dash. I've never mentioned it here before. These are coins people want to use. Monero... I bring up Monero. People use it because they value the privacy. People aren't using Bitcoin or Ethereum for transacting value person to person. It's just not happening. And so if you're here, again, going way back to the very beginning what we talked about, if you're here scalping U.S. dollars and you just want to make money, there might be other chains for you. But if you genuinely want something that has a uh, verifiable use case and something that has value across time and space. Litecoin, Bitcoin are here for you, you know? And maybe Dogecoin. And maybe Monero. <laughs> Since I have a Monero fan club. So does does uh privacy on Litecoin bring what mon uh the like level of privacy that Monero has? Um man, look at this. See do you see this guy up here? Uh Free me, Tux. Look at the laugh emojis he's putting on here. Um, I would say it's 90% of the way there. See, he's That's laughing cool. again. Go ahead, Tux. Bring it on. Go ahead. Just talk, Tux. Hey, Free me. Why don't you... Uh, so, t- so, Tux. I can't, I, can't, I can't talk today. I can hit you next week, but I can't talk right now. Okay. I see. Well, t- well here, here's what I'd say. I would say Monero has, um, there's like a bounty out to get Monero. Um, I don't know enough about Monero to speak intelligently enough on it. But from my understanding, it's it's uncrackable at this point. Um, so for perfect privacy, I think Monero is probably uh, going to be better than Mimblewimble. Mimblewimble is going to get you to where you have anonymity on your sending addresses, the values of what you're sending, and uh, if I'm going to pump my own podcast, uh, episode two of our podcast, it's on Apple and Spotify, 
we interviewed David Burkett, who was responsible for coding and implementing Mimblewimble on Litecoin. And we walked through kind of step-by-step step what is a Mimblewimble transaction versus a regular on-chain transaction. You get very, very far for privacy. The one, the one place you lose privacy is in tying addresses together, um, which to me is a kind of a convoluted way. And if you know what you're doing, you you can get very like extremely good privacy um, versus today's Litecoin and today's Bitcoin. Um, I do think that once both chain once once Mimblewimble comes out, I think it's going to become very obvious the problems that Bitcoin has with privacy. So the way I see it is, you know, with Mimblewimble, it's an improvement. Um, I still don't know, you know, completely. I think Monero might still be better, but I was just thinking, if you go from Mimblewimble to Lightning, you know, and you do, and you go through that route, um, I would think you get very good security and privacy. Maybe on par with with Monero, I'm not sure, but you know, the way Lightning works, if you're a node or if you have a channel, you only see where it came from and where it goes. The one node before you and the one node after you. You don't know if that node after you is the terminal node or it could go another 100 steps after that. But I do think that between those two, you get some really good privacy. Yeah, and I think the, the important thing to note about Litecoin over Monero is that um, the privacy is optional in, in Mimblewimble, which Monero people will slam us for this. But what that allows is that Litecoin has uh, incredible liquidity and incredible availability that Monero is not even, I mean, it's, uh, it's leaps and bounds. I mean, like, what what is Litecoin's on like twenty eight thousand uh, ATMs, and then might be at one percent of that, right? So as far as the availability and the ability to actually um, transact in a, I, it, I I just feel like that's a very important factor. Something like, yeah, totally. Something like a, a huge chunk of all of the transactional amounts that ever occurred in Litecoin's history occurred in the last, like, what was it? Like a couple weeks. weeks. Yeah, it's yeah. Been, I don't know what's going That's what I, I brought up. It's been, whatever, $5 billion. Or no, what did I just, I just said it earlier, like $25 billion or something in a week? Nutty. No, okay. This is, uh, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. January 18th, on one day, there were $45 billion in on-chain volume. Uh, a week before that was $44.5 billion. And in a day, in a singular day. So in seven days, there's been over $205 billion in on-chain volume. Which, you know, there could be some move, there could be some gamesmanship going on. So I don't want to act like this is, it's not like people are walking into Walmart and spending $205 million on the Litecoin. Do, you, do you think it's not an organic transaction? I can't imagine. It's a $10 billion chain. So you're talking 
20 times the market cap of all the coins in existence are being tra- got transacted in 7 days i i don't i don't know what to i don't, don't want to even guess it what is it two for sure you know two for go ahead man yeah, I've heard a little bit about that, and I, I tried to look some of it up, but I guess my uh, research isn't quite up to par on trying to find the, the latest data on that, or I need to just uh, fork out for the glass node. But um, I would I would want to see a maybe a, a kind of a somewhat coinciding increase with the active addresses um, to maybe kind of just uh, ver- verify that a little bit. But that doesn't necessarily you know mean that it's um, you know, illegitimate just because there aren't that increase in, uh, you, you know, addresses to, to kind of go along with it. Yeah. Uh, addresses have, I doubt, I doubt they've spiked to some insane level, but if you go look at addresses, um, they've done nothing but go up over the course of the last 12 months. Um, transaction count has gone up. Transva- transaction volume continues to go up. And, um, yeah, I guess in a roundabout way, uh, Gramps, to answer your question about Mimblewimble, uh, I think that this is a this is a huge upgrade. I think it's very, very big on a number of fronts. And uh, that's all I got to say about it. I get well, almost like an emotional feeling about it. <laughs> I think it's huge. I think it well, could be huge. I don't, don't want to overstate it, but it could be a very very important uh, upgrade to a major blockchain. And if in some perfect world where Bitcoin can also adopt Mimblewimble, that's huge. It's great. It's great for people who are wanting to use these things and actually get away from these intermediaries and have privacy and freedom and security and permissionlessness. We want multiple chains doing the same thing. Dogecoin needs to adopt Lightning. Dogecoin needs to adopt Mimblewimble. We need as many fighters in our corner as possible. Yeah, one of the most bullish comparisons I've seen uh, just between you know Bitcoin and Litecoin is the uh, the log chart uh, when you look compare the transactions, uh, you know over over a long period of time. Um, you can you can really see that you know how how Litecoin's kind of just growing into its capacity, uh, whereas the Bitcoin on chain is you know kind of you know hitting that ceiling a little bit. I know there's probably been some batching improvements with some of those latest upgrades. Uh, I'm not really too too big on all the tech, but um, that is pretty insp- impressive comparison when you when you look at those two. Yeah, and if you circle back to Charlie Lee, well, he he's always said from day one. Use the coin. Use it. You know, I have the Litecoin card. I deposit a f- couple, three Litecoin every month, and I that's my regular spending money. And I know it's in this KYC convoluted way, but basically I'm buying and selling Litecoin on a, on a regular basis. And transaction volume, adoption, that stuff matters. That's what matters to vendors. That's what matters to banks. That's what matters to... Um, uh, countries and, and all these people they want to see people care about the chain and if you just put it and say I, I want to clarify I'm not contradicting myself keep a keep at least 50% of your stack at cold storage 
But if all you do is cold storage everything and never touch this stuff and never use it, no one's going to care about it. Retailers aren't going to care about it. Countries aren't going to care about it. You have to use it. So put at least 50% of your coins in cold storage and then on your regular basis be buying and using crypto. And Litecoin is the cheapest, most liquid crypto you can use all the time. And now you're getting privacy on top of that. I feel like I'm doing an infomercial today. <laughs> Am I pumping Litecoin today? I don't like to pump. I think people should. <laughs> Thank you for your service. I think people should experiment with uh, Omni as well because, I mean, that's it's a really cool thing. I don't know. I just think it's really cool. It's fun. Uh, it's it lots of possibilities. Cool. It's a, hey, by the way, I have Litecoin Underground tokens. Uh, DM me your OmniLite address. I'll send you some OmniLite tokens. There's only right. 144,000 of them. Yeah. Um, I like the um, the MWeb tokens. Uh, I think Master made them. They're very well distributed. He's given He's been giving each person out a million tokens. He's got 43 million tokens remaining. What? So, I better get some of those. Shit. Yeah, you better get a million of those. That, hey, by the that. way, <laughs> I'm selling. I'm selling some. Uh, uh, what's it called? Blue Magic tokens on uh, the Dex there. So, I'm asking. I think essentially for one dollar, and there are 8.4 million of these tokens. So Look if you. you buy this, if you buy this token, <laughs> I will be on paper have. Over ninety nine thousand dollars on paper. Oh, so, so buy this token. You want us to give you eight eight point four million dollars? Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. So I'm selling like point uh, eighty four uh, magic uh, blue magic tokens for point zero zero. I forgot how much Litecoin. I posted this a few days ago, but it's essentially one dollar. And there's eight point four. Was it? Did I do this right? I forgot the math. Anyways, like yeah. Three. So if you buy eighty-four tokens, essentially, I will, the market cap for Magic uh, Blue Magic will be a hundred thousand dollars. So buy it. You're trying to make a hundred thousand dollars, are you saying? Well, liquidity is the next issue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it, you know what? It, I mean, we talked about this a little bit. Uh, I think it was two weeks ago. We were talking about market caps, and it just made me laugh. Like you start making these tokens and you go, this is so stupid. Like literally I watched a video, uh, Rob D swinging crypto or whatever. Uh, I followed his instructions and made it, made a light to underground token. It took a total of like five minutes. And it's wild to me that there probably, there's, there's thousands of tokens out there that people just make them in five minutes and they get them on the proper exchanges or they pay to get them on a proper exchange and somehow they have value. It's just, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Growing a growing a crazy tulip back in the, the Netherlands was more work than what these people are putting in. Oh, well, yeah. No, the crazy thing about these tokens, I think I agree there. I think a lot of it is mostly used for money laundering of some sort. You know, or uh, and then there are some people who are like Snoop Dogg or whatever who are making money off of this because they're using their their following to pump up the prices. Maybe they're pumping up their own prices too. So a lot of these NFTs, you know, I don't 
see much of a real legit use case for it. I mean, I could see like if you're an artist, if you're a legit artist and you know, it's a way for your followers to support you. You know, there's definitely that that goes along too. But for the most part though, you know, there's a random artist that comes out of nowhere and their NFT is worth thousands thousands of Ethereum. Like no one knew about you. Who who knows about you in the first place, right? And your art's not even that good. Like I don't know who am I to judge really, but um No, it's it's money it's money I think it's it's uh, it's government money laundering. Maybe it could be. I don't know if it's they can't. Can any individual who's. You know? But with Omnilight, I really like. To me, it's going to. It makes sense. One of the biggest, bigger use cases that makes sense to me are stable coins being put on top of this. Um, so going back to what I was saying earlier, I'm in the Philippines and. I do have some political connections here. I would love to get them to be, you know, on board with the idea of issuing the Philippine peso on top of Bitcoin or Litecoin using OmniLite. You know, um, if I could somehow convince a couple of people here, and you know, maybe get, who knows, uh, you know, I, this, what what could happen? Like, if the central bank here essentially issues a digital currency on top of Bitcoin or Litecoin. Uh, and then on top of it, you know, people in the Philippines remit billions of dollars every year from wherever they're working back into the Philippines. They're using Bitcoin, Litecoin, the Lightning Network for both of those. Uh, they're able to buy their Philippine peso, do a decentralized exchange, uh, like on Omni, convert their Litecoin or Bitcoin that they purchased wherever they are into the Philippine peso. And then they, you know, most people are afraid of the volatility uh, of, of crypto and they still don't understand it. So, like, I think. Uh, something came out in El Salvador where 75% of the people there still don't trust Bitcoin. And so it's still a very long road ahead and we're still very early to convince these people. But when it comes to NFTs, I think that stable coins could be the Trojan horse, so to speak, to get a lot of people on board. Yeah, I would agree. And I think um, oh, somebody was talking about cards today um oh dang it i want to say google was talking about like uh crypto cards are like um i think gift cards are a big part of this like if you could embed a wallet in a way into a card that it starts to make sense to people somebody was talking about digital cards Digital gift card. There was something literally like I want to say it's Google or something. Right before we started talking, I read an article or a quick yeah. blurb about did, Google was saying there's gonna be digital cards, and someone's like, "Well, what's a digital card?" Well, a digital so I think card it's their is wallet. wallet. That's what it is, right? Yeah, it's their wallet. So essentially, uh, it become a Bitcoin wallet, and I think they were it's Bitcoin and crypto, so it could be a Litecoin wallet as well, a Dogecoin wallet. Um, my understanding from that article I read is that they have some type of partnership with BitPay. So you could assume anything that BitPay has, um, Google could eventually have within their their wallet. And yeah, yeah, for sure. And that, and that, and that to me, there's, there's going to be this, it, it's a mental barrier. We've all, I think we've all gone through it. When you start to learn about crypto and you understand mining and and what, how wallets work, and it, it takes a, it takes a minute by a minute, I mean, it might take six months 
for your brain to wrap itself around what is actually happening here. What is value? What is money? Um, what what does this value on a blockchain represent? Um, and I think gift cards are kind of a soft introduction to that because people are used to using these things. And once they understand, like, oh, I'm just buying this gift card is a unique address. It has a unique amount of value on it, and once and it's disposable. That's an important part. They need to understand, like, once the money's spent, I can throw it in the garbage. It's gone. It, I, I have no association with it. It's anonymous. These are all things that are very blockchain-oriented. Um, so, all right, to, uh, twofer. Go ahead, man. Yeah, so speaking of kind of the payments and the remittances, and this is, I guess, a little bit more of a Bitcoin thing at the moment, but uh, is it Jack Maulers, the the guy? He, I mean, he's starting to make like regular appearances on a lot of these mainstream financial news uh, channels. And I mean, I, I'm not really sure if there's many limitations to the the system he's using or if it really is feeless like he says, but I mean, is there... Is there, it seems like there's just no stopping what that the amount of disruption uh, that he's bringing with that thing. I mean, it just seems brutal to the traditional payment system. Yeah, from my understanding how Strike works, like if you were to buy uh, Bitcoin, you're not really buying Bitcoin on the Strike app, but you're using the Bitcoin rails to be able to transact that value. So they, my understanding is they use like USDT and so you buy twenty dollars worth of, or you, you essentially load your Strike wallet with twenty U.S. dollars, and then you transact using Strike using the Lightning Network to send that twenty dollars uh, to any other user who has a Lightning wallet or whatever, and that's when it gets converted to the, the Bitcoin value at that point. So they're essentially acting, from my understanding, as a decentralized exchange, um, kind of. Actually, no, they're acting as a centralized exchange, and. Um, so my, and this is kind of where I'm thinking where with Omni, it becomes more decentralized. Uh, so actually, to be honest, I need to study up a little bit more on how Strike works. But essentially, uh, that's my understanding is you in the US, for example, you buy 20, you load it with $20, it stays as $20. And then you can send it to anyone uh, using the Lightning Network. And then that's when they convert it for you. Uh, to Bitcoin. So they're probably, if they are opening and closing channels, which I don't know that they are for each and every one of those, but they're, since it's centralized, they're probably able to like batch those. So they're not having to do a lot of uh, on-chain settlement, I guess. So Strike is custodial. And so they don't necessarily have to open or close a channel at all. They're, they're essentially a second layer, like Cash App, for example, right? They have their own um, they, they have their own ledger. And so, uh, yeah, they don't have to open or close channels every single time. You open up a wallet, you go from zero to whatever amount, that's not opening up a channel. It's really just the counting on their back end, on their ledger, that shows that you have that amount of money. So in this swapping between, uh, so they're using the Bitcoin rails, you have one currency in one end, another currency comes out the other end and they're doing all this exchange and all this stuff simultaneously. And these fees are like just negligible to the, to the end user, the sender and the recipient. I don't, I don't know that they're actually moving any Bitcoin anywhere. 
Well, if you load your wallet with Bitcoin, they receive it. But if you take it out and you use another service, uh, let's say you move it from Strike to Moon or a wallet of Satoshi, then obviously they're they're moving the Bitcoin. Um, yeah. I, I, my, my belief is that they are using Lightning Network in extremely short time periods. So um, let's say I'm in the U.S. and I want to send money to my family in Argentina. And um, I put $100 onto the Strike app and I decide I, want, I hit send. I think what they're doing is using the Bitcoin, the Lightning Network to essentially avoid being a bank, right? I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Like to me, they're just... They may convert it into Satoshis technically for a split second, and on the other end, there's value in a wallet that's U.S. dollars. But to me, it's just a big database with Satoshis on them. Right. That's how I see it, too. So if you're doing a transaction within Strike, uh, let's say if you're sending from one Strike wallet to another, that's just their database. They're not even using, I don't even think they're even using Lightning for any of that. But well, yeah, I mean, Lightning you, is just a database at some point, right? Well, so, I mean, what, what I mean by that is they're using their own central database. They have their own database to keep records of who has what. Um, because when you create a strike wallet, you don't, there's no keys involved. You're not like writing down 24 words or anything like that. You know, you just have your email address and password. And so that's, and that's, that's your ID for what amount you have in your account. Right. So um, when you load Strike, you take it from your bank account. Uh, you do a direct deposit into Strike. And that's going straight into their account. I think what they're doing there is they're converting it into U.S. dollar tether. And so at that point, if you transact within the Strike ecosystem, it's really just updating their own uh, their own uh, ledger with that, that, that they control. Right. And when you decide to take, send money out of Strike and move it to another wallet, you're using Lightning. They use Lightning for that. And so uh, I would assume with what they would do at that point, because they keep your value as U.S. dollar, they would find an exchange or they have an exchange that will do that exchange, that exchange for them at that time. So now you just move that $20 onto the Lightning Network at whatever uh, value it is at that time. And now you got Bitcoin, LN Bitcoin, I mean Bitcoin, to the recipient. Uh, at, to The recipient of that now has LN Bitcoin. So my understanding is they keep everything as US dollar tether. And when it leaves their system, it becomes Bitcoin. Yeah, and they probably do like a daily or, yeah, they probably do like a daily transaction. Right, that just is a bulk transaction for any onboarding um, to keep fees down, right? So it's like one bulk transaction, which is fine, you know. And you know, it is what it is. I guess that's like <laughs> with Strike, I have this love hate relationship with them because I feel like as long as you're aware of what's going on, then you know, okay, good for them. They can have their own. Their own uh, system, but it isn't has, has nothing to do with blockchain. 
Like almost nothing. I'd say almost nothing to do with blockchain technology. The the blockchain technology comes in once they send the money out of their system. And um, yeah, I think it's it's an interesting solution. It's uh, you know not ideal for you know for different properties for what you value. Uh, for some people, centralization for one, um, custodial, for example. But um, I think that this is going back to like Omni Light and you know stable coins being issued onto there. Omni Layer, same thing. USDT could be issued onto Omni Layer, which is Bitcoin's version of Omni Light. And they and looking into the Omni Light API, there's a decentralized exchange on there. So now you could post. Uh, now, now there's a market for within in a decentralized way, where they can convert that for you, from U.S. dollar to Bitcoin or Litecoin, and um, again using Lightning. So I think OmniLight. My my understanding is OmniLight, OmniBulk being the layer two for OmniLayer and OmniLight. Um, that's what Jack Dorsey is and Strike. Sorry. Uh, Jack Mullers and Strike are trying to do, but they found a clever solution when that wasn't capable. So I'm really excited for OmniLight, OmniLayer, and OmniBolt because a lot of people are not into crypto and a lot of people just want to keep the fiat system that they're still interested in. Uh, but it's that Trojan I mean, horse Indi- where Indigo. they could use it. Yeah. Indigo, how long have you been in crypto? Uh, I would say mid to late 2016. Okay, so like, let's look at ourselves and we're almost uh, five and a half years from there, right? And look what's changed in the last five and a half years. And imagine five years from today. Like, it just feels like some of this stuff does feel inevitable. That lightning, Mimblewimble, OmniLight, stable coins, this stuff's all gonna be integrated. Decentralized finance is gonna be is gonna mature to the point that the the BS chains are just gonna go away. Like no one why would you I mean there will be there will be a market for semi centralized exchange, but uh, for the most part people are gonna gravitate towards the exchanges that provide them the fairest value it's just light speed when you really think about it and look back and go like i keep saying 16 months 18 months what has changed it's been astronomical change in litecoin and bitcoin and five years 10 years look at 10 years ago litecoin's 10 years old imagine we're going to be in 10 years Look at where we were 10 years ago. Almost nothing existed. And we're just we're just scratching the surface right now. And in 5 to 10 years um you know, Fabio's in the audience. And uh I I hesitate always to bring him up. <laughs> but uh no, he's he you know, they can't stop it. There's nothing they're going to do. They meaning the media, the governments, they're in a real pickle. And uh, we need to stick to our guns, you know, and not capitulate to them. Fabio, I do have to ask you, did you get a chance to listen to that audio that we talked about last week with 
the guy, uh, the Italian guy. I'm waiting for him to come up. He's not going to come up. Never mind. If you guys listen to it, you would know who I'm talking about. All right. I think it's almost 1 a.m. I think I'm about, I'm ready to probably call it unless somebody's got a great tangent they want to take me on. Actually, I was about to say, I got to I gotta start my day. It's actually already 1 o'clock here as well. And I've just been, I've been enjoying this conversation with all of you as well. So I got to yeah, head that, too. Yeah, this has been great. I really enjoyed it. Actually, these, um, it was weird. Last week, uh, like two weeks ago, we had like a six-hour one. It was awesome. I had so much fun with it. Uh, Cheddar, who stepped in, but he, he didn't actually talk this week, was there. Last week was really quiet, and I thought, well, maybe maybe the tides have turned and uh, crypto Twitter is going to die. But um, this week we had a really big turnout, and I'm glad to see a lot of new faces. Every week somebody comes in. Uh, Twofer, you contributed a ton this week. I appreciate it. Gramps, you know, you got a good username and you're new, so I'm going to keep you at arm's length. <laughs> but uh, I was just playing with you. All right, so, all right, we'll call it. Have a good one, you guys. Uh, like I said, next week, I'm not going to be here on Wednesday. I'll try to put it on Thursday because uh, it's going to be traveling on Wednesday. So um, who knows? I'm in between. I got, I'm got not starting my new job until the 31st, so I may do a daytime one coming up. Maybe Friday I'll do a daytime one or something uh, to get some European people in here and stuff. So, all right. Take it easy. Uh, have a good week and uh, stack your Litecoin. Talk to you later, guys.